I'm recording. I am also recording. I've been recording for five minutes. Okay. All right. Let's bring it in. Because I'm going to stop this OnlyFans shit. Uh, <laughs> much like the bank companies are, apparently. Are you going to only ban it? <laughs> I can fire you. I have the legal authority to fire you, but I can't because I need you. Yeah. Um, and I love you. You run this okay, stream. I shit myself. I mean, with enough time and learning how to do transitions, I probably could, but you're better at it, so we'll just keep it at that. We have a system that works. Um, you worry about that, so I don't have to. You need All right. me. Yes, I do. I fully admit that. It's a symbiotic um, relationship. So who's Venom and who's Eddie? Yes. Okay. No, we're, we're <laughs> um, Carnage and the Cannibal. Cletus. Yeah, Cletus. Which one's which? I better not be Cletus. No way in hell am I Cletus. No, the Venom Eddie works better. You're telling me you've never eaten a person. I, is that racist? Because I'm Mexican? No. I think that might be racist. Hello, everybody. You Welcome to racist. the Charge Games Cast, where I'm exposing my friend's racism on a weekly basis. And today's racism uh, expose of the week is Justin. Hi, Justin. I just want to point out that I was just simply asking a ridiculous joke question, and you made it racist. To also, the only hi, I'm brown very guy well. in the room. The only brown guy in the room. So you got to so make just, everything just racist. Saying, just, just, just saying. You know, it's like you didn't ask Tyler if he ate anything because it know? wasn't a conversation about me and Tyler. We already know Tyler's eating people. I'm connecting the dots like A through X. Anyways, there's a pile of, of bones in his dots, corner. Connecting the dots, and this man is responsible for making these shows available to you live uh, every week on your favorite podcast platforms. Tyler! Hi. I will neither confirm nor deny my eating of people. My lawyer has specified as such. <laughs> uh, okay, and his lawyer happens to be Miles Edgeworth. Oh boy, here comes that updated autopsy report. Anyways, You're not a we... clown, you're the entire circus. <laughs> Uh, we are the Charge Shot Gamescast. We are a weekly video game podcast dedicated to our the games we've been playing and the news we've been reading. And now let's kick it off to, as usual, Justin. Uh, what have you been up to besides Metroid shenanigans? <laughs> uh, I will say that I exported my Metroid Other M video tonight before this show. I don't know what day I'm going to put it out yet, but I I, I did it. It's it's still August. I did it. <laughs> I was cutting it close, but anyway, um, there actually hasn't been much Metroid shenanigans. I was trying to think because I jumped. I started briefly Metroid Fusion. Um, I haven't actually done Super Mission Super, well, Super Metroid yet uh, because that's on my computer. I'm running mm. it a specific way, like a like modded through an uh, um, an SNES, SNES emulator. And I don't have all that set up on my phone, so I just figured I'd, you know, play Fusion on my phone and then play Super Metroid at home. Um, but I haven't had any time when I'm home to play video games, so still haven't started Super Metroid. So I'm playing a little out of order. But, um, yeah, I, speaking of, of games on my phone, um, I beat... Zelda Phantom Hourglass. Nice. It never really got better. Uh, the the final. At least you beat it. At least you. At least you yeah, beat exactly. It. It's it's over. It's done. Um, the final dungeon where you get the hammer 
has some cool uses of the hammer. Like it, it's it's kind of clever because like your little fairy friend like holds it out in front of you, so it's not this dinky little thing that just like smacks the tile you know right in front of you that is never really useful. This one like it's got a lot of range on it. You can um, like enlarge it. it. It's pretty cool. But you get it so late in the game that there's really nothing else, like, outside of that dungeon that you use the hammer with. Uh, and the last part of, or the last time into the Temple of the Ocean King, you basically redo all the same floors you already did with real no new conveniences. And then the last floor that you could reach before now just, you have your fancy, like, Phantom Blade or whatever... And you, like, kill the, like, do a gauntlet of the different colored phantoms down there. And then the door to the final boss opens up. So, like, there's no new rooms or anything. You're just going back through the stuff you already did. And then getting to the final boss. It's kind of lame. I thought there would be, like, some new stuff with the hammer or something in there. There's, like, one kind of little, like, level skip that you can use the hammer for. And that's about it. Uh... And then the final boss itself is pretty lame. Um, it's Bellum, who's like a one-off just from this game, as far as I know. And it's kind of just like this weird, like, squid-looking thing with, like, some, some runic characters on it. It's very generic. Uh, and, like, the first stage seems like it's going to be kind of like a puppet Ganon type thing, like from Wind Waker, where it's, like, you know, kind of looping its tentacles down on you and like puppet mastering the the main form of bellum but it's not it just kind of like um it drops a bunch of these things on you like from the uh like little bits of itself from the ceiling and you have to kill those and then shoot uh like basically across the space to the different like eyes on the ends of each tentacle but these things are dropping on you and you're supposed to use, you know, your sword against them and then switch over to the bow to hit the eyes. But you're basically like constantly going back and forth between bow and sword. But you can't move when you have the bow and then the things land on top of you. It's uh, it's a perfect example of like the items in that game don't work because you can't move while using them. So most of their utility is just dysfunctional. Um, And Mm. then the second form, I guess it would be uh, the, the little fairy thing that's following you, like gets the ability to stop time. So you like use the phantom hourglass to, uh, to Ah. like stop time for, a few seconds. I don't know exactly how long. So long, um, And you have to do it like right at the at the right time when like the Bellum's like eye is open like near you. So you stop time and they go and slash the crap out of it. And you just do that a few times over and over. Um, and then it dies. And you go back to the ship. Um, Tetra's been a like stone this whole time. So she like melts or whatever and becomes Tetra again. Um... And there's, like, a nice little happy moment on the ship. And it's like, yeah, we won. And then Bellum, like, tentacles down and kidnaps Tetra again. Like, 
into a weird portal thing, and you have a dumb, like, ship section uh, where you're fighting Bellum's ship and your ship, but really all you're doing is just tap, 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 like as fast as you can, because the ship moves by itself, and there's so much stuff on screen, like, between the things you're trying to shoot at and, like, the the shots that it's shooting back at you that you have to uh, hit to, like, get rid of. So, yeah, the, really the only way to do it is to tap incessantly. Um, and then you crash the ship. Uh, Bellum, like, uh, takes control of your, like, your ship's captain, Linebeck, who's a actually a really good character. I enjoyed him a lot. Um, and you basically have to fight Linebeck, like, as Bellum in this big armored suit. And it's also not good. Like, you'd think it would be, because it's just sword on sword, so you don't have to deal with all the, like, janky item stuff. Um, and there's kind of a clever mechanic where, like, the fairy um, puts, like, a, a backside view of Bellum on your top screen. Because um, the fairy's kind of like you too. It, like, dictates your camera, in a way. Um, because it's, like, a, a Professor Quirrell situation where he's got Bellum, like, on the back of his head or whatever. Um, that was a Harry Potter reference. I'm sorry to anyone that triggered. Um, and... What's that? Sorry. That, that reference was over my head. I was trying to catch it. Oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, so... I lost... Oh, yeah. Sorry. So you're supposed to be attacking, like, Bellum's eye when it opens, just like every other time. Um, that's on the back, but you can't, like, just walk around to the back or whatever. You have to, like, look at the top screen and see when the eye opens. And then use the Phantom Hourglass to freeze time... And, like, run around behind him and, and slash away at the eye. Uh, again, kind of a clever mechanic. Like, it's a good use of the dual screens. It uses the titular item in a fun way. It's just, like, a, you know, straight-up duel in some ways. Um, but you have to basically, like, slash at him uh, until, like, he kind of wobbles a little bit. And... Um, you can get like a like a straight attack on him before he's like weakened enough that you can actually get like the you know juice or whatever for your phantom hourglass to stop time. So it's still just kind of overly convoluted and stuff. Um, but yeah, I beat it. It was fine. It took me a few tries with some save states because I couldn't figure out how to stun the guy to be able to get the actual eye attack in. Um, but the ending is fine um again there's some nice payoff i know there's some nice payoff for the characters like i kind of like that lineback gets some some humble pie in the end um he was kind of annoying most of the time but he ended up being a pretty decent character like uh yes he was he was fun um and then link and tetra swim off but what's actually kind of cool is like you go through all the credits and everything, and then there's a post-credits scene that is um, Link and Tetra, like, kind of washed back up in their world or whatever. And they hop off the other ship they were, like, investigating or whatever. And you see, like, Tetra's ship's actual crew. And they're like, hey, like, did you find any treasure over there? You were you were gone for a few minutes. And she was like, don't make jokes. We were gone for, like, like weeks. 
You're like, no, it was like, it's been like 10 minutes. What's going on? So it's like that entire thing is basically a dream, which it, it kind of feels like a like Link's Awakening type thing. And I, I don't know. I, I like those goofy concepts um, of like, you know, why you're exploring a new land when it's a canonical sequel to a different game. Um, but I'm way more excited about Spirit Tracks because that is actually trains. Like a, yeah, that's actually a different Link. Um, like a hundred years in the future, a hype train. and I like the train stuff <laughs> a lot more than the stupid sea navigation yeah. that was really boring. plus. They, from what I've seen of Spirit Tracks, I really want to play it and pro- I like either on, on my DS, like either find a DS copy or mm-hmm. just fucking just do the Wii U emulation thing. Oh yeah, um, because like it to me that seems like that game is going to be somewhat better because they know what they're doing with right. the uh, with with the touch control and everything like that versus. Fan Hourglass is very much a uh, let's experiment a little bit, shall we? Mm-hmm. And it is better. Like the items still have the same issue because you have to like tap a box on the screen to activate your item, and then you can't like you know your your tapping is mat- modifying the item, not your movement. Um, but it is just better in general. Like it understands the level design that like you know plays to the strength of the touchscreen more. Um, as far as I remember, some of the items you get also are more um, touchscreen friendly. Uh, kind of more quick, like just throw it and then it, you know, comes back. Uh, more like bombs than like the bomb chew where you have to draw its path and it like freezes everything around you for a second and really slows the game down. Um, but I also just like I said, I like the train stuff. I think it's really cool. And the way they make that work. Uh, allows for a lot more utility than the ship that was just kind of boring to sit in and wait for it to follow the path you made. Um, the train ironically feels a lot more active because the path is already made and you're just navigating it. Um, but yeah, aside from that, I briefly booted up uh, Mega Man X Dive. I imagine Tyler's going to have more to say about that, but um, Not a like, lot. first impressions... I don't know why it's a Mega Man game. Uh, it's, like it's, it, it seems very like mission based. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a gotcha game, which is dumb anyway. In a you know Mega Man formula, but it is neat. Like like that a bunch of characters, you know, well known and obscure. Like there's some uh, some grabs in there you can get from like the ZX games and the uh, uh, Mega Man X Command mission. Um, some of those party members that are like only in that game, like it, it's it's a surprising variety. But the way it does it, because it's a gotcha game and they can't just like give you free you know power ups or whatever, um, like you know the way Mega Man plays, is every character has like two different abilities, along with like their you know regular shot and their jump and dash and all that. Um. So, like, each mission you get materials, basically, that you can use to, like, upgrade equipment and purchase characters and that kind of thing. But that means that, like, the normal structure of, like, you know, progressing through a level, beating a robot master and taking its power isn't there. Uh, You're just... And again, you could probably attest more to, like, how the levels get later. But to me, it, it feels very much like a gotcha grind which is like the complete antithesis of what Mega Man is. 
It really does, but uh, you gotta remember, Justin, that these games are made specifically more for a casual audience. Like, a whole bunch of uh, non-Mega Man players aren't probably gonna beat, like, the, uh, the boss at the end of the first stage or whatever. Like, you gotta give them that safety net, I guess. Sure. Also, the presentation is terrible. Like, the script is just cheesy and, like, poorly translated and weird. Um, it plays it off as, like, you. so you get to the, you know, the main start screen. You hit start, you have to hit, or you have to tap start a few more times because it, like, has you accept terms or whatever. And then it goes back to the main screen. And then you tap it again. And as you log in, you do that. It goes back to the main screen. Tap it again. And then it, like, lets you pick your world that you're playing in which it doesn't seem like an mmo or anything so i'm not sure what that's for but um it's like just just picking a server uh and then it goes back again and you have to tap it again and then it actually goes into the game but like the opening cutscene type thing just kind of like it immediately shows like a black glitchy screen and then pretends like you were just playing Mega Man x and it's like, sorry to interrupt you playing Mega Man X for the, you know, hundredth time or whatever. I know you love that game, but, and it like takes you to this like cyberspace world with like scenes from past Mega Man X games, which is cool. Uh, or past Mega Man games, I should say. Uh, uh, mainly X games. Yeah, it seemed like it. And like, does a lot of like exposition stuff with this weird character, but it's just so like cringy. In the way that it it's like, hey, you're a gamer, right? Like, your your grandma would buy you your favorite game and you play it all weekend. And like, that's you, right? But it's the same exact text to every single person that plays. So it's not authentic. Yeah, I played Mega Man X for the first time at a friend's house. You got your facts wrong. Right. It's, I just don't understand it. Like, the actual like controls and stuff feel okay for, you know, touchscreen buttons. Um, I I have yet to see if you can map a controller to it, but I'll probably try that soon. Um, but, like, it actually kind of mimics the faster pace and all that um, of an actual Mega Man X game. It's just presented so poorly that, like, I'm just tapping past all the dialogue, and, like, the tutorial level literally, like, stops you every two feet to explain something. It's worse than, like, Alien X5. Um and then like there's the complex menu with a bunch of different things like the store and your character roster and your equipment upgrades and like all that stuff it's just like it's it's clunky and doesn't feel right at all but i mean we're not going to get anything else for a while probably so i'll i'll give exactly. it a try I mean, you you don't you don't have to you re- you really don't have to, like you that's can literally just play the Legacy Collection again. Yeah, that's the thing. You have you have that. I I did that this morning. I saw you guys talking about it, like, oh, let me try. I literally played like the first few minutes and went, nope. Popped in my cartridge of X Four. Played the first opening stage of X One, even though I just played that not that long ago. And like, yeah, that's that's X. Like, as like. It's unfortunate we're probably not going to get an X9 for a while. You know, it's already been so long. We still have Mega Man X1, X, X1 through X8, even though some of them aren't exactly the stellar of quality. You we have X1 through X4. Let's let's stop yeah. there. 
Boy, I got things to say about that. I'll tell you what. <laughs> okay, but Uh-oh. yeah. So you know, if you don't, this is, like I tried it. You know, I like I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not doing this. If I want to play X, I'll play X. Not not th- whatever this mess is. Yeah, that's. Like I said I want to play it more because it it feels okay to play. Like the one thing that bothers me is you're just like your normal There's that buster. Copium. There's that copium. <laughs> The normal buster has limited ammo, which is not good, but it recharges fairly quickly, so like you don't notice it. There was like one time when I was hitting it and nothing was coming out. Um, and I just popped a Viagra and it was fine. Charge shot, which is pretty cool. Yeah, although it's weird that like you just hit a button, it charges, and you hit it again to shoot. Like it doesn't. There's not that satisfaction of like holding the button down to charge your shot. That's true, but at the same time, you can like uh, shoot your regular shots and then fire a buster shot while you're in the middle of that combo. Yeah, and totally. that in itself is pretty cool. It's just it's it's uh, takes some getting used to. It really does. But that's pretty much it. I haven't had a lot of time for gaming because I've mostly been editing like a madman. Mm. Like a madman, yeah, I did. I, I made that transition. Okay, is I'm that a it? Mega Man. Yeah, I mean, I hit a wall in Axiom Verge, but I don't. Again, I don't really want to talk about it yet because it's too spoilery. Right. Maybe next week. Yeah. Um, Tyler, talk it up, buddy. All right. So Justin mentioned earlier that uh, the first four X games are the only one worth playing, and uh, I also noticed that he put out a little video a couple years ago uh, saying how X Five is probably the worst x game ever he's wrong and i didn't no i didn't say it's the worst well i i maybe i did but yeah you did it was more hyperbole about how everyone like shits on six and seven oh youtuber using hyperbole to get views what a shock right (laughs) hey it worked whatever oh i'll get to that um anyway (laughs) it it it, because everyone shits on six and seven but they don't like lump five in with that and i'm basically saying five five is not nearly as bad as six we've had this argument before it's not nearly as bullshit is it it's not it's not I've played both of them. Sorry, Tyler, go, go, go. I'm going to add fuel to this argument because I will say right at the moment that uh, this entire week I've been playing uh, through uh, X5 twice. Uh And, uh, yeah, it's it's still pretty fun. Uh, I still get my jollies out of it. Do you? Uh, (laughs) He just said it. He he just said it. You're outnumbered here, Buckle. Compared to its contemporaries, then yes, absolutely. It's got problems. I'll agree with you there. But mm-hmm. it's not nearly as annoying as some of the other games. Uh, for one thing, um, yeah, playing as X in this game is probably the most comfortable that I've ever been uh, in any of the PS1 era X games. Um, more so than X4, honestly, because I feel like that's more of a zero game. And oh, it is. Yeah. yeah. You could also argue that X6 is more of an, a zero game because it's not really designed for X, but I'll get to that. Um, so, yeah, playing through X5 again, yeah, it's got some annoying things, like the countdown thing. It's kind of minor, but if you know what you're doing and the exact route the game wants you to go on, then, uh, you have plenty of time to spare. It's never an Uh, issue. It's almost like, why even put that in there? It really is. Yeah, it's almost like it's just uh, there to make you anxious and not play the game correctly. True. But, I really didn't find it an issue, uh... The only thing that is an issue is uh, the things intrinsically tied to the timer mechanic. Um, 
the, basically the whole point of defeating Mavericks in this game is to collect parts for a big satellite called the the Enigma Cannon because it's an, an it's an enigma why this thing is the savior of the planet and a space shuttle and which, it's an enigma uh, if it'll even if work. That fails. Yeah, honestly, uh, the shuttle has a better chance of working than the cannon because. I never get the cannon to fucking work. No, because... I don't think anybody's gotten the cannon to work. It has like such a low. It, it can percentage. work. There is a chance. It can yeah. work. There is a chance, but is a it's abysmally small. I think like thirty two percent success rate or something like that. And it doesn't even change uh, the outcome of the game or anything. No, you just get to go to the final boss early. That's all you get. Right. Yeah, it's a speedrun route, but uh, you'll want to get the extra powers in order to mm-hmm. make the final levels a bit more comfortable. So. Yeah. Uh, let's see, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah, the shuttle stuff. Uh, so, yeah. I actually got the semi-good ending twice between two playthroughs. One is X and one is Zero. Fortunately, I did not have Zero die during the shuttle crash, thank <laughs> God. Because, nice. you know, uh, in the X in the X playthrough, I all whenever Dynamo comes in, I always have Zero just... Uh, slash can- dash cancel right into him and just end the fight really quickly. Nice. And that is a thing you can do. Like, I noticed in uh, your video, Justin, how uh, you said that uh, the Time Stopper ability was the only weakness for Spiral Pegasus and that it didn't have enough ammo to kill him. And that is true, but if you use Zero's dash cancel trick, you can shave off his entire health in one cycle. So, technically... Uh, your video is incorrect, and you should take it down. <laughs> nope. I'm just kidding. But Have you seen my stuff? A lot of my videos are in, are incorrect. Uh, guys? You know what? Fair. I'll attest to that. <laughs> but yeah. Um, Including the one been, I haven't put I haven't out been, yet. I already... I, I edited some of the issues out, but I, I, there's still stuff that I've had to put text on screen because I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I did have fun with X5... It still got problems. I still do not like the uh, beginning part of uh, Volt Kraken stage where it has you on the bike. Although yeah. I can get Ugh. the um, I can get the light capsule on the first try consistently now. Ready, but but yeah, that sucker punch it worth at the beginning it? haunted me in the beginning. It I mean, was worth it because the Falcon, the Falcon armor is yeah. amazing. No, Falcon I mean, like, is, is it worth armor? it to be able to do? Like, was it worth to put it, putting the time in for that? Absolutely, because yeah. the Falcon armor wrecks the second half of the game if you know it's how the, to use it. It's the best armor upgrade in the entire X series. Like uh, you're it's, invulnerable it's while flying. Yeah. It it cheapens everything and is so much fun. You're not entirely invulnerable. Uh, you're still susceptible to instant kill spikes and crushing and stuff. True, but enemies but are to, ba- like uh, what what what's the the bat? There's like one stage like it's a, a basically like floating platforms. That stage yeah, becomes dark necrobat stage. Yeah. Dark Necrobat stage, Falcon Armor rips in half. Just trivializes like, it, and it's awesome. Yeah. And the one stage that I think we can all agree is particularly awful is Duff McWhalen stage. Notice uh, how I didn't call him Title Whale. Yeah. I'm still calling him Duff McWhalen because that name is so dumb that it's just awesome. All the original but names are better. Fuck the stage. Oh, it's, it's yeah, just so long. The problem is, it's just it's so long. It just it's an it, auto scroller that takes forever, and you yeah, have to do it's it a twice. Long, boring ass auto scroller that where you have to fight the submarine at three separate angles. And believe it or not, that is not the worst sub boss in the series. I'll get to that soon enough. 
But, uh, yeah, uh, that and The Black Devil, which I swear I cannot beat with Zero at all. Like, no, I had to imp- switch to X uh, in order to uh, actually beat him. I think I cheesed it. Gl- Zero's Somehow. a glass cannon. You get hit once with that because the, the the Black Devil does so yeah. much damage. He hurts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does stupid damage on Zero. But if you um, wall jump to uh, one of the corners of the wall, then his uh, block attacks won't hit you. And the same works with X, too. Yeah. You just mm-hmm. got to mash super hard and make sure that your hitbox doesn't collide with uh, his uh, top right his gooey uh, bits. half, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, the rest of the game was trivialized after I got the uh, ultimate armor and the black zero armor. And yeah, uh, the last parts of the game were pretty fun, albeit the uh, the instant kill lasers a la Quickman stage from Mega Man 2 uh, were a bit annoying to get through, even with the time stop ability. Yeah. The worst. I mean, I, thought, I, I didn't find it too bad. It's when you try to go for the achievement in the Legacy Collection where you have to do it without using the Time Stopper. I'm like, okay, I tried, yeah. I tried it a handful of times. Like, nope, not doing this. I don't have time for this. Yeah. You mean Same the thing here. I did I, because I didn't know that you could use the Time Stopper there? Somebody who didn't. Yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> I, I had a chuckle at that part of the video. So, yeah. Uh, after I beat uh, X5 twice. Uh, I got everything, along with all the stupid heart tanks with the really dumb guy armor. What a piece of shit that is. That's that. That's. Yeah. I, I immediately jumped to X6, which was probably a mistake, because this is one of the worst X games in the series. I am saying it right here and now. So, it picks off kind of after X5. Like, it goes off both the good ending and the bad ending, which is incredibly weird, but... The whole, the whole gist of the game is that this dude named Gate finds a thing in the wreckage of the uh, space station. He goes batshit nuts, and he makes this nightmare phenomenon, which is pretty much the uh, instigator for a whole bunch of calamities around the world. So it's up to X and, the, and Zero, who is not dead, by the way, even though they made it clear that he died in, at, at the end of X5, uh, to stop the nightmare phenomenon. And... That's easier said than done, because the nightmare shit in this game, whoo boy. Uh, even without it, these are probably the sloppiest levels ever designed in any Mega Man game ever. Like, yup. They have so many instant kill uh, obstacles than any other game combined. Like, you got the instant kill spikes splattered all over the stages, you got bottomless pits, you got uh, special ones like Blaze Heatnix's uh, instant kill lava... And the garbage compactors and metal shark player stage. And they throw so many enemies at you all at once. And there are so many projectiles flying at you all at once. Like, you have no choice but to take a hit and just dash through everything with your invincibility frames. Because if you stay and fight, you're going to get hit and you're going to die. And it's incredibly frustrating. And to compound on the sloppy level design, the nightmare effects just make them exponentially worse. Oh, yeah. Like, in the beginning of the game, Alia tells you uh, that uh, if a Maverick stage highlighted in red instigates a nightmare effect, but what it doesn't tell you is that you're going to get nightmare effects anyway if you visit any of the specific Maverick stages. Like, if you go to Metal Shark Player stage, it makes these uh, metal blocks appear in Blaze Heatnik stage. And if you uh, fight Blaze Heatnix, 
it makes these fireballs come out in Blizzard Wolfgang stage, which is really fucking annoying to go up against. Like, you have no choice but to take hits from that shit. And probably the worst of it is if you fight Infinity Maginion, and yes, that is a really dumb name, <laughs> uh, it makes this it makes the stage in Rainy Turtleoid completely dark, and this is a stage that is full of bottomless pits, uh, instant kill spikes, acid and rain. it has the inherent gimmick of acid rain constantly draining your health. Yep. And <sighs> it is nearly impossible to get through this game with X. Like, you have to go through so many hoops just to get through half of these stages. Like, one of the stages that annoys me the most, uh, especially playing as X, is Blaze Heatnik stage, where the entire stage gimmick is there's this red donut thing. I know it's supposed to be an Ouroboros snake, but I'm calling it a red donut. You just fight this thing like five fucking times, and it has so much health too, and it's constantly shooting at you. So, unless you have the screen nuke attack uh, that you get from Infinity Maginion or Metal Shark Player, you are extremely fucked because. There is no easy way to kill these things without it. And probably the worst of it is near the end of the stage where you're being chased by instant kill purple fire, which covers half of the screen while you're trying to fight one of these red donut things. And when you're trying to aim your special weapons or regular weapons as X, just just kiss yourself goodbye. You're not getting through this. Just just play a zero. You you want to play a zero in this game even though his defense is utter shit compared to X. And if you have to, put in the Black Zero code or the Ultimate Armor X code because it makes the game so much more bearable, especially in the last half where you need a specific ability to make X jump off a wall of spikes because he can't reach it naturally. Zero can just double jump over that shit, but the the final boss at the end of that stage, the Nightmare Mother is nearly impossible with regular Zero because he can't take too many hits. And this thing, ugh, it does so much more damage than the Black Devil does, I swear. As X, I think you're but supposed yeah. to use like the ice block power or whatever and jump on that. It doesn't work. Uh, the ice block doesn't give you enough height. Uh, you need the jumper ability or the shadow armor, which has immunity to spikes. But if you use the shadow armor chances are you're not going to beat the Nightmare Mother because it doesn't have an air dash, which can really help Why? in this in Why? This He's a fucking ninja. Why can't he air dash? It's the dumbest... God. Duh. So stupid. I agree. And that's not even the worst of it, because Gate Stage 2 and 3 are the epitome of painful. Like, Stage 2 is pretty bad on its own. You have to get through these totem poles with all these instant kill spikes splattered all over the fucking place. And... At the end, you fight against Hymax, who, I swear, pretty much has infinite armor at points. Like, if you run into him earlier on in the game and you haven't defeated the Maverick yet, you're pretty much fucked because your normal weapons can't damage him at all. And it's basically the same fight here, but you already have all your shit, so it shouldn't be a problem unless you suck at dodging. But if you beat the Nightmare Mother, then you got no excuse. But the worst of it is Gate at the end of Gate Stage 3. Like, the compactors in the beginning are annoying. Like, you can deal with that. But the boss against Gate is RNG hell. Like, he's completely invulnerable to everything you have. Nothing works against him. The only way you're going to beat this dude uh, is if he chooses to throw projectile attacks at you. 
And when you hit these things, they spread uh, in three in two directions, which means you're going to take a hit. And and all you have are as footholds are these tiny ass platforms over a gigantic bottomless pit. And Gate can sometimes decide to like go to your position to do contact damage, which hurts like a motherfucker, by the way. So, and halfway through the fight, he'll choose to either go towards you, do a platform-destroying attack, or shoot a projectile. And I swear, he had an entire cycle where he, he spent over three minutes not shooting an entire projectile. Like, all he did was move towards you, destroy a platform, move towards you, shoot, uh, destroy a platform. It's like, come on, dude. This is the worst thing ever. And I actually ran out of energy energy tanks during one of my attempts, so when it put me to the checkpoint um, to restart the boss fight, I was completely hosed because there is no way I'm going to beat him without spare energy. So I gave up after a bit, um, pretty much refilled all my shit in a later stage, cleared the last two stages again because if you clear out a gate three, it starts you all the way back to gate two and... Yeah, that wasn't fun. But in that attempt, I beat him and then took down the easiest Sigma boss in Mega Man X history. Mm -hmm. But also so, yeah. with the sickest remix of his original theme. Yeah, that's the one thing that I'll credit X6 for. It's probably It probably has the best music out of the P PS1 trilogy of X games. Like, there isn't a single track I don't dislike aside from the Max theme only because it's repetitive and you fight that motherfucker way too many times. <laughs> so, yeah, X6 is the worst. Like, X6 <laughs> is bad, and I I stand by, I mean, I've said that before. Um, like I said, the reason I was focused on 5 because I had hope for that one to actually be kind of good, and it was just as bad as 6 and 7. But um, X, like, I didn't have as many problems with X6. Like yeah, I mean you did not play very far in that. No, game, I beat I it. Sure um, the like the level design is garbage, but it's like harmless garbage. Like it, it's not. No, he says harmless. He says harmless. Like it's boring. Played... Is what I mean. Listen, like it's man. boring and unoriginal, but I didn't ever feel like it was like uh, broken or anything. Like some of the X Five. I want you to were. stream it. I want you to stream it. I will pay you money to stream it. And to see if you get R and Jesus to hell. I, I mean, yeah, maybe that's it. it. Maybe it's just totally random because of the nightmare stuff. You got, you got. And so lucky. I had a good run. Yeah, I was not as fortunate, and I never am because my luck is pretty shit. But it shouldn't have to be dependent on RNG to have a good time in a game like this. No, like it shouldn't be up to chance uh, to just get through a game as quick as possible and just have fun with it. With this game, I don't have fun and it actively makes me angry. And X6 is one of the few games ever to actually make me mad. Like, you know me as like, you know, calm collected, uh, kind of jokey kind of dude, but with X6 it turns me into a completely different person because of how backwards everything is. Like, this and Shadow of the Hedgehog are <laughs> pretty much prime examples of game that just piss me off to no end hmm. so in that regard i'm gonna have to disagree with you that x5 isn't uh isn't a good game i mean 
It's not a good game, technically, but I can get through that no problem. With X6, it just pisses me off too much, man. I'm sorry. Sounds like we just no, had opposite experiences. <laughs> I yeah. suppose. I guess that's where you and I differ in this one it's area. It's yeah. two-on-one, so you and I both agree, Tyler, that X6 is just bullshit. Thank you. And X5, well, has a lot of problems, and I prefer X4 over X5. I would ra- I have a good time with X5 because the boss fights are interesting. Some of the levels are pretty cool. Some of the power-ups... that And again, again, the Falcon Armor. The Falcon Armor is the best reward. I At least you get something good for dealing with bullshit. The, the, the Shadow Armor is nothing. It, it, it literally makes X worse because you take away the Air Dash. Which has been a staple since, what, X2? Like when you get the armor upgrade, mm-hmm. I think? So it's like... Yeah. At least with the Falcon armor, that's why I like it. Whenever I did play X Six, I just stuck with the Falcon armor, even though it didn't have that involved like the flight capability anymore. It was still the best armor. Like, yeah, fuck all of X Six in the garbage can. Jesus Christ. Well then, Ben, yeah, I guess I'm prob- the minority now. Yes, you yeah, are. You could probably argue. <laughs> you could probably argue that X Seven is probably shittier. Like, oh, it's yeah. definitely much more boring and slow. But. I'd much rather play that over X6. That's have you how bad it, yet? it is. <laughs> yes, I have, and I've beaten it. Oof. There you go. See, we're all different. Um, I mean, I beat it, but not... It was a really bad time. In terms of the PS1 trilogy, just play X4, you're fine. Yeah. But if you want to yeah. get... You have X4 for zero, and if you want to play X5, a D, a, a, an okay Mega Man X game, play X5. Because it's not as nearly as bad as X... That the 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 fucking donuts the fucking donuts are the fucking worst and zero the only way to really damage him effectively is zero when he gets that one move where he strikes down the ground that's the only way to kill him effectively otherwise you're going to be in pain and it's going to hurt and it's annoying fuck off yes yeah fuck X six that's our uh, official statement here at Char Shot Gamescast it's true but yeah that's that. pretty much it for me aside from like uh, Mega Man X dive which I did dabble in a bit. Uh, I unlocked Axel, Lair, and Zero, uh, and I got through like wow. uh, the first three worlds. And um, it it nudges me to play through the hard mode of the of these levels. And yeah, it's definitely harder. But now I have Zero, so it's more or less trivial now. Is it Johnny and Bosch still? Uh, no, it's uh, Japanese dub voices. They, oh, no right, 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 right. I forgot. The kid, they didn't want to pay for the expensive localization. Or, no, uh, I guess uh, Capcom like offset this on some random like Chinese mobile dev to port it from like the Taiwanese version or whatever, like the original. Um, so they did like the bare minimum when when localizing it. Yeah, but yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Just Mega Man X all around. All right, thank you, Tyler. All right, so I've pretty much only been playing two things this week. Uh, just because I had a, I thought I had a plumbing crisis in my house, but it turns out it wasn't anything at all. But we got something fixed that had been broken for years, so that's a plus. Shout out to my mom's husband; uh, he's a great man. Um, he doesn't watch, but he knows. <laughs> uh, so I've pretty much been playing a lot more Blast Master Zero Three. Uh, I'm really still liking it. Um, I'm a little bit more overwhelmed by how the 2D section works, because it feels a lot bigger and not as cohe- like. It feels more open than the last two games. And so the gimmick with this one is that, and they introduced in, in Blasphemous Syrup 2, is there's mutants, the enemies you fight, that can create dimensional tears. 
and there's one planet that kind of is it's basically like a I don't want to say beta but like introduction to this concept that's basically the gimmick for the third one is there's a planet that's literally divided in the second one like this like half one side is in our dimension the other half is in the other 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 dimension so in this uh, the mutants are basically on planet Sophia and uh, there are different portals that you can go into that you t- in order for you to progress you have to go through these portals um, and that's both in the car and and, and on foot and so in, 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 in the car it's not that bad it's just pretty much you can't certain and this luckily there's not a lot of them because I thought it would be filled with it sometimes there's like these specific bars that are like kind of like like energy you touch them once you die unless you like get hit by something you get invincibility frames um, those are not thankfully are not frequent enough to uh, be upset with them sometimes they're there in inopportune times um but it's, and it also has like a cool visual background, like it's really like it's distorting reality. It's re- it's really neat. Um, uh, and the other time is that you do get the top hand perspective of it, and it's pretty much like really again more visual cool effects. And the gimmick with this and is that Jason puts on like his visor down, and he gets like this cool new white suit that allows him to traverse through this new area. And as far as I can tell. It, it doesn't really do anything other than it looks cool. Um, they, they mentioned that, like, I can't stay here in too long. Otherwise, I'll, like, succumb to whatever energy is in here. But it, I I think I dallied a bit. And maybe it's just really generous or it's just, like, a story thing. It's not really a gameplay mechanic. But it's still, it's still cool. It's visually different uh, uh, from, from other. I will say, though, I did find myself getting lost a bit because... The map is kind of like instead of like having like planets you go to in the last game, it's all you're only going to be on this one world, so everything's kind of interconnected already. And in order to get to one place or another, you have to go through these different portals. And I wasn't seeing this initially, but it'll show you like a dotted line. Okay, this connects over here. This connects over here. Once I figured that out, I was pretty much good golden. I'm like, okay, so I'm still digging this game a lot. There was one section that was giving me hell. And uh, in the in this top down section, um, so like I said, like it, it has to do with the fact that uh, you have to use the blast, the the uh, gun vault uh, mechanic where you basically tag uh, enemies, and you have to tag um, like these spikes, like these little round orange orange spheres or green spheres, and they have to hit in the water so they conduct electricity so the plasma is removed. That's fine. Uh, it's just that the the game this section for some reason throws so much enemies at you. There's one enemy. Uh, and it's been in all three games, but like it basically absorbs like another enemy, and it basically spits out like a gajillion flies. Like it's weird, but it does so much damage, and it's annoying, and I would die every single time to it. But I eventually cracked through it, and so now I'm exploring again. It's still generally a really fun game, and I'm re- and the the big twist with this is that Eva's gone. We don't know why she's gone. She's missing. Is she kidnapped? Is she going over wish? We don't know. Uh, uh, Jason is with uh, a pilot that you ran into the last game who is basically like your rival character Um, and so you're reluctantly teaming together to figure out what's going on but the big mystery is that so um, uh, Eve who's who's the robot who's your robot companion she is missing and you you defeat a boss because uh, it it has her DNA not her DNA but her signal was tracing you there so you fight a boss after that, what's left there is basically her supposed DNA. But how is that possible? Um, 
you know, she's a, she's a, uh, there's a proper word for it, but she's a robot. She shouldn't have DNA. So you basically talk to her creator who is basically like your, the police officer who's like, he says he's a good guy and like, he's like, I'm trying to keep him off your back, you know, but like, if I see you in public, I'm going to have to shoot you, um, kind of thing. And he's like, well, I didn't create, I didn't create her like that, but like, she shouldn't have DNA. That's impossible. So you're based now. I'm basically trying to track down the person who de- helped develop her actually to figure out why did she leave DNA behind that shouldn't be possible. So I'm really intrigued by the story, and I really want to know like what is going on. Like, is there some kind of cool corrupt government like like stuff that this planet's been doing while also simultaneously taking down these these monster threats? It's it's such a neat little game. I recommend anybody check out the Blaster Master Zero series. Uh, they're all out on Switch now. Um, and they, they seem to be telling this good. Just go for a hundred percent in all of them, and it's really not that hard. It's pretty much just finding all the weapons. And if you're sm- if you've played games like this before, you're you're gonna be fine. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to playing more. Um, besides that, I've only played Horizon Zero Dawn, and I think I'm the game is finally clicking with me. Even though I'm still not a fan of the um, you know stealth bro uh, uh, stealth most approach to combat, but I'm still enjoying it. Uh, I just made it to Meridian, which is sort of like they they uh, in the beginning of the game you meet the, the, the this uh, uh, I guess a tribe or na- I'm gonna call it a nation uh, of Karja, and you kind of hear about them in like right before you do like this big story moment at the beginning of the game, and you hear about it's a big city. And when I first started this game, like almost almost like two months ago now, I wanted to go there, and so I follow there. And number one, I love this setting way more than the open one because it's basically like the American Southwest, at least it's inspired off of it. Deep canyons, uh, cool rock formations, very awesome, very pretty to look at. Um, it kind of makes me think we are in the American, we're somewhere in the Americas, in, in, in like maybe not the Southwest, but somewhere. Considering the the next game is called Horizon Forbidden West, so who knows? Somewhere uh, Kansas. Yeah, but like some somewhere like around the middle, and then like right next door, there's the Grand Canyon. Who knows? But um, I made it to Car. I made it to Meridian, and it's amazing. It's it's so it's not super big, like densely populated, but just when you consider the the concepts of this world and what they are building, it's it's super sick. And like they ha- they have this mysterious tall tower that's sticking up. Like I'm sure that's a storyline plot line is gonna a, a storyline plot line. A a uh, the story is gonna lead me to that at some point. It's just too standing there omin- ominously. But like they have these cool elevators that you can go to, and they just like big chunking like engineering elevators this is this is amazing considering which you started out as like this rural kind of society area i really like this area a lot um i and uh i still love the whole there this i think this might be my favorite version of ubisoft towers where you have to basically go off this long mechanical dinosaur with the sauce a saucer for its flying head um a, a flying saucer for its head not a saucer for its flying head that's that's not how things work iggy uh, it's it so, could. yeah, it could, but it's uh, it, this game is is starting to like okay, I get it, and now I'm basically doing side quests. I don't really have the urge to explore um, unless it happens to be on the way because I don't feel like it's like Breath of the Wild in the sense that Breath of the Wild like oh I don't when I look out into the horizon, I, there's not much I see where it's like oh I want to go see what that is. I have to look, and this is not a criticism. I'm just I don't think it's a bad thing. But, like, I have to look at the map and tell me, oh, okay, well, what's around here? Like, you have to, like, there's not really landmark formations. I don't think the overworld is designed to where, like, when you would, like, say in Breath of the Wild, you look out for somewhere and, like, hey, 
that looks that looks weird. I should go see that versus like I'll be constantly looking at like just the the topography just is a lot more realistic. It's not as like video gamey uh, as as I would like it to be. So I have to constantly look at the map to be like, okay, that's over there, that's over there. I want, and then you have the dense layer of fog until you see what what else is there. Um, and so like it doesn't really feel like incentivizing me to explore much unless like I'm already on a route to something and then I'm like oh all right it'll tell me this is nearby this is nearby this is nearby but it's all it's fine because I kind of mo- care more about the story than like say exploration I I found some things already just by going out the beaten path every now and then so still a very very solid uh, experience and again runs beautifully on my new PC uh, shout out to not having it by a PS5 uh, for it to play Horizon Zero Dawn. I'm looking forward to playing Uncharted 4 when they drop that on PC uh, whenever that happens so I can finally conclude the Uncharted. Yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah, I can finally conclude the Uncharted uh, series finally because I never got to play 4. Um, Crash Bandicoot minigame in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, I'm aware. I'm a, yeah. I, I Funny enough, I've never had been spoiled on Uncharted 4 outside of the opening hour so I'm, I don't know how it ends. Uh, I'm curious about that but we'll get good. there whenever it comes out. Uh, all right, that's that's it for me. Um, I didn't really play anything much else. Again, you know, the whole potential house, like dealing with the house shit, was kind of stressing me out a bit. So uh, hopefully next week I'll play a little bit more. I wanted to play twelve minutes. Uh, I didn't have, didn't find the energy to do that today. So um, maybe I'll play it next week. It's on Game Pass. I already have it downloaded on my Xbox. So um, uh, I mean, you yeah. only need twelve minutes for it. Oh, uh, uh, one thing I want to mention is uh, shout out to everybody who came out to the first of ten uh, for me and Lowe's uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite match. That was that, that was some a good lot, ass Marvel. It was a lot of fun. Um, I got my ass kicked, as I said to everybody. Lowe's gonna wash me, and um, in, in in the scoreboard, and, and he and he definitely did. Like Lowe's, Lowe's a really good player. Um, and I nothing like I really want to do it again. And my, the important thing for me though is that my Twitch audience, uh, how I was was entertained and had fun with it. And it seems like I I had the chat room open, so I saw the shit y'all were saying. <laughs> um, um, uh, the important thing is y'all had fun watching it, and that me I I I talked I talked a lot about this. Like I just I, I just want to deliver a good show. It's not about the win. It's not about the loss. It doesn't matter. I just want to. I, I theoretically thought, okay, once I got that that second game in at the end, towards the end, I'm like, oh my god, what if I fucking brought it all the way back? Like, that would be so sick. Obviously, did not because I kept fucking up too much. But um, so I just wanted to put on a good show, and maybe we'll lock up, we'll lock horns again. Uh, we'll probably do Marvel's Capcom Infinite again. Uh, but we've already ta- we we're talking about potentially after that doing Ultimate Marvel's Capcom Three. Parsect, uh, since I don't need to own the copy of the game, but he does, and we just hook it up that way, since that's like the way to play UMVC3 right now, and that game is insane, and I think it'd be, yes. that would be a lot more flashier to see than say MVCI. I love MVCI, but it ain't exactly the prettiest game to look at. <laughs> if you so, thought that was crazy, wait until you see Marvel 3. Exactly. Alright, uh, we're gonna, uh, excuse me, we're gonna take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to run down some news, and we're going to celebrate the Super Nintendo's 30th anniversary. We'll be back in one minute. Time. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's time for the news section of the Charge Shot Gamescast. I don't think we have a lot of news this week. Not really. Um, That's a few things. All right, yeah. Yeah, we got a few things. So let's tuck it off with some Resident Evil news. 
Um, President Evil. I told you. I told you. Oh, I should have. I should have reinstated. Uh, the the Nintendo Wire ad. Oh, we did that last one. week. Yes, like I said, we were going to do it this week. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, so uh, J- uh, Japan's Capcom store is officially adding red and green herbs and umbrella themed stationery. So this is pretty much a celebration of the uh, 25th anniversary for this year. Um, and so these are. Uh, let's see. Uh, herbs are still are a stable healing item when our favorite survivors find themselves in rough patches and Capcom has announced fans can now purchase the iconic green and red herbal powders for themselves. The actual products come in the form of bath salts with the scent of herbs, the package uh, featuring the logo of the Nefarious Umbrella Corporation, and the salt itself resembles the crushed herbs um, that players can use in the games. Both green and red herbs are priced at 550 yen or around 5 bucks at the Capcom store. Uh, and of course you can buy a memo pad, uh, pen all with the umbrella logo, which actually it's not that expensive. But I mean, you probably have to pay more for new customs if you're going to order it from the Capcom JP store. Uh, I just think this is really cool because um, very similar yeah, to like neat. the type, the type, like the RE2 uh, Deluxe Edition where you got to get the typewriter and all the cool keys. Um, I just I, I like cool Resident Evil merch like this. I don't use bath salts. Um, I know that can drive people crazy for people who like use them for nefarious purposes, but I visually I think this is a cool cool thing. I think it's cool you called them yeah. herbs. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it's cool. Yeah, Good job. herbs. Uh, herbs. Let's move on. You didn't. You you brought that on yourself, Bucko. <laughs> I was complimenting you. You had to be a sure, buddy. Herbs, Tyler. Yeah, this is cool for uh, the casual or super Resident Evil fans. Uh, this is a neat little get, and it's. Dirt cheap too, so anyone can pretty much get it if you have five bucks to spare. All right. So I don't know if the color is off in this picture or what, but the green herbs, like in their little packet, look, look like turquoise, blue. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of bluish, and yeah, the turquoise. reds kind of look purple. Yeah, I mean, it could be a lighting thing. You yeah, know? probably. It could be, or maybe uh, when they're actually using baths, they come out as the right color. Probably. Oh, that'd be cool. That, that would turn be your bath cool. like red or green. So like bath bombs is that, is that, is this is bath salt same as bath bomb I don't know I haven't taken a like I, I shower I, so. I just want to stress that I don't want to <laughs> stress this because before I say anything out of context and I'm not like some kind of stinky ass celebrity who says they don't bathe I haven't taken a bath in years because I'm too old and fat to sit in the tub but like do you just put it in the tub and that's it is that all I assume so um my wife has gotten some bath bombs before she doesn't use them because of the scent. Uh, but they're basically like a condensed version of bath salts, it seems like. So, like, the bomb kind of, like, dissolves when it hits the water, whereas these just are powder already. Okay. Goku got hit by a spirit bath bomb once. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) That actually happened. Did it? I don't remember that. Yeah, it did, in Super. Oh, no wonder I didn't watch it. All right. Um, so let's move on to potentially some controversy. Alright, Fortnite copies Among Us in new imposter mode. Uh, Sus. God damn it. Somebody, one of y'all had to fucking do it. Um, Fortnite's imposter is a new game mode that's rolling out today, uh, and it's out out now. This is from last week. Um, One that might be sound familiar to anyone who's played Among Us. Uh, Imposters puts players into two teams. 
One team, up to eight agents, has a goal of maintaining the headquarters of one of Fortnite's secretive factions, uh, the Imagined Order. Wow, Fortnite has lore, huh? By accomplishing yeah, various tasks. What? It has a lot of lore. I had no idea. Like eight seasons uh, of lore. Jesus. Well, I just assumed it's all just bullshit, just like to get your money, not actual, like, lore. Um, the other team is uh, two imposters. Epic couldn't act- apparently couldn't be bothered to change the name, whose goal is to take out all the agents. At any point, if players find eliminated or see something too suspicious, they can call a meeting where players can discuss the events of the game and vote off someone if they choose. The Fortnite version also clearly uses the game's iconic emote to help discussion, so you can literally point a finger at the players you suspect. In other words, wow. it's Fortnite version of Among Us with the serial number slightly filed off. <laughs> um, there are a few differences, of course. Everything has been decked out in a Fortnite-themed beaner with tasks like fixing the battle bus or preparing llama supply drops. Imposters don't kill players, but teleport them away into a rift. Um, um, it's veneer. For- Ven- whatever. Vernacular. Vener vernacular. It's not the first time. Ep- it's not the first time Epic has featured an Among Us style game mode in Fortnite. Last December, the company prominently featured an elaborate fan-made Among Us clone called The Spy Within, developed by the game's creative mode by a team of creators: Dolphin Dom, KK Slider, Bunny Words, Blanky, Jace, JSK Kimui, Mac Jewel, Ritual, and Snowy Mouse. Um, oh my God! Yeah, Snowdomus. Uh, Snowy Mouse. Um, Snowdomus. Snowy Mouse. But imposters take things a step further the original spy mode. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Um, Like, okay. I'm I'm torn on this because, like, I'm from the Street Fighter 2 days. And, like, that... Like, if you go to any arcade machine in the early to mid-90s, almost every cap... Every... A lot of game developers, whether they're... You know, they're not all had a Street Fighter 2 clone. And to me, it's always like, what's the fine line between homage and flattery? Homage and and, and theft? And, like, yeah, it's definitely ripping off Among Us with with terminology and and gameplay stuff. Um, You know, it's weird. I want to side with, like, the developers of, of Among Us. They're a lot smaller than Epic Games. And the fact that, like... The game has now turned into like this huge roaring success because of the pandemic and streamers. Um, but at the same time, like, y'all, it's 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 gonna happen. I'm honestly surprised we haven't seen more like Among Us type clones. I'm really surprised we haven't. And this is like the first yeah. big one. I mean, anything that like basically creates a new genre of game is going to get eight. Like that's just what happens. Right. Right. So I mean, it's not surprising that this exists. It's a little closer than it probably should be, but that's also a right. concept that's hard to diversify too much because I mean right. it is essentially like it's it's a video game version of like the card game Werewolf, for example. Um, so I mean that idea has been around forever, but in video game form, there's really only one way to do it, and that's like a you know eight v two or however you want to divide it. Um, right with something to occupy the players while the killers kill. Right. Like, that's all they're doing. And I think, if, if nothing else, this is still kind of the third-party, like, over-the-shoulder view, right? Yeah, so it's, it's not different like... in that way, because it's a lot harder yeah. to, like, see around corners and stuff. Like, you don't have as good of a view. Um, So it's still doing something different, at least. Like, there's reasons to play both this and Among Us. 
I don't know. I mean, yeah, I like I, f- I think I saw one of the I think their PR person for Among Us was like, I wish they would have just talked to us about doing a collab. Like, like sure. yeah, that would probably that would probably would have been you know like nice, but like they don't. <sighs> Among Us doesn't all like unless they copyrighted right. I guess that that genre they didn't. They no. don't own that game idea. And again, cons- I'm really surprised we haven't. The game's been out since 2018. It exploded last year. I'm honestly surprised this year, probably because of the pandemic, we weren't flooded with like Among Us modes in various games. Watch, Call of Duty is gonna have a fucking Among Us mode in this November's release, and I want I want to be. Hit with the gift of prophecy, Apollo. Please give me that power. Well, yeah, I mean, it takes a few... It takes a little time. Look at all the Battle Royale games that are suddenly coming out. Right. All right. Um, so, I, in the comments of this article, uh, like, uh, you know, similar people saying, like, oh, what a ripoff. Like, leave it to Fortnite that ripped off PUBG to rip off Among Us. And um, I guess there was a game called Unfortunate Spacemen that's even older than Among Us. With kind of a similar concept. Idea, um, yeah. It... That's not that's not older. Unless it's new to Steam. It shows 2020 release date. But it's possible that's when it was added to Steam. I'd have to do some more research on it. But I'm just saying, like, there are other ones out there. Whether this is before Among Us or not. Right. Um, so, I mean... The fact that Among Us was the first one to, like, video game it, even if they weren't the first one, that doesn't mean it was, they were the first ones to come up with the idea. They just came up with how to adapt it to the video game forum. Right. So, nothing is original anymore. Like, it's not that big a deal. No. If they were, like, asset ripping or whatever, that's one thing. But to just right. take that game idea and apply it to their game... Okay. What else is new? Yeah, I think I think the devs for um, Among Us are being a little salty because it's like y'all got people's money. Like people are still gonna play your game. They're not. You're not. I don't think for Among Us players or people who love Among Us, Among Us content creators, whatever you want to call it, are gonna abandon shit because Fortnite has this one. They might check it out out of curiosity, but like, sure, shit, your game's only five bucks. Like the the amount of profit that they've had in this past year is insane. So it's like. I, I don't know, because flattery is the yeah, highest form of, of this point. imitation is the highest form of flattery. Ask Street Fighter Two. Um, that's 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 how I view it. Yeah. Now we're gonna we have some Super Monkey Ball news. Last week we talked about that Sonic and Tails, and I kind of mocked Justin like, well, why would I? Why would I play this game? This game looks stupid. It's <laughs> they gave you a reason. Not yet. Didn't you specifically say like if they added like Kazuya or something or uh, no, Kazuma I did or not. something? I, okay. I, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get to that. Kazuma Kiryu, Kiryu is officially a playable character. The Dragon of Dojima is in Super Super Monkey Ball, uh, and they actually Dojima. they actually play his uh, Yakuza Kiwami theme. It's it's really cool. The it, I'll tell. I, I'm gonna say this on stream and record it. If Knights from Knights into Dreams is mm-hmm. announced for this game, I will buy this game just for Knights. 
Because if, if Sega Ooh. is turning this game into like a mini Sega celebration, like let's get Alex Kidd, let's get Knights, let's get I don't know the Golden Axe character, let's get let's get Streets of Rage, let's get let's get Axel in here. I mean, you let's know, Knights Blade. is coming. Like Knights has been probably the most crossed over Sega character outside of you know Sonic, obviously. Where where have you seen Knights a lot? Because I have not seen them in a long time, buddy. What are you talking about? I'd have to research because um, I mean I, I remember exactly. like he was the fly uh, bearer in uh, last Sonic time. Not Knights themes get used in other things like in Sonic Lost World, but Knights as a character is dormant. No, Knights what I meant was Knights not... content, like Knights crossover content, not the uh, character itself. Just... I want to be hopeful. That was but, the last time that happened was like 2013. I will say um, there was also an article saying that the next uh, Monkey Ball like guest character like unlock or whatever is coming at Gamescom next, this week. So we'll see. If it's nights, I'm buying the game. So if if it's nights, I'll, I'll I'll buy the game. I will buy the game and only play as nights because that's the only reason why I would care. And not oh okay. Here's my other condition: it can't just be nights. Because then I'm just playing the game. So they, they have to do stages for Knights. So, like, Knights in the Dreams music. Knights oh, in the Dreams know if we'll back. That. Eh, that's what I'm saying. So that's going to be the ultimate caviar for me to play this game. Because they got, when he was in Sonic Lost World, we got a whole theme around Knights. That's the only reason I asked my dad for that for Christmas. The last time I asked my dad for a Christmas game was when Sonic Lost World came out for the Wii U. I was like, can you get me Knights? Can you give me this? Okay. You so, I can, so I can play Knights <laughs> in the Dreams. Or I can play Knights, or I get that you know feeling again. So if Knights is confirmed and he and they, because I I think Knights is non-binary, um, if they have their own sort of like stage thing and like the Knights music is in there, I'm in. If not, no. But I will be extremely happy that Knights is getting represented. There you go. That's my okay. Favorite. Great. I have I have two comments. One, did you just say caviar instead of caveat? Caviar. <laughs> it's caviar. What are you talking about? It's caveat. Sure. Why are you picking apart my beautiful language? Stop it. Because it's hilarious. Uh, and two, Sonic Lost World is a special case because that also had like similar DLC with Zelda and uh, Yoshi. Yeah, Yoshi. So not a lot of games get that level of crossover content. Knights should. And, and Sonic I'm isn't, that's... it seems like. Granted, Sonic gets that two guest characters, of. but... That that we know of. That we how do we know they're not gonna like do like a like a zone where it's like Sonic background and you get to hear Sonic music. We don't know. They could do that. They could show that all that at Gamescom, and then they open it and we got and then they say it and then they show knights and you get like the hoops, you get the rings and shit, and you get the knights music. You get well, I mean, as value. far as I know, this is all levels from past games, so I doubt there will be that. Well, I'm guess I'm not buying Super Monkey Ball because I don't even think knights is gonna be in the game. But I would love if Knights was in the game, so I'll, I'll, maybe other people will check it out. Be like, "Hey, what's this Knights? In, what's this Knights character?" And go buy Knights in the Dreams on their Xbox One slash PS3s. Okay, because I don't think you can buy Knights on the PS4. Bottom line, Kiri's rad, or and he's in Monkey Ball. Buy it on Steam. Buy Knights in the Dream on Steam. It's like ten. Also, bucks. Monkey Ball is rad, so you don't need any other reason. I guess if you like Dole's bananas. Okay, moving on. We're gonna talk about the Pokemon Direct. Which kind of dropped out of nowhere. Uh, just kind of go over the highlights because because a lot a lot of it is kind of stuff that's just just fluff. So we got some game updates. Um, uh, they talked about the mobile version of Pokemon Unite, which I think they said is a uh, is 
uh, set to release September 22nd, and there's coming, I guess Pikachu's getting a new costume. Um, kind of oh skimming through the trailer. We got new characters, Sylveon and the, the the elephant. Not the elephant, the, I don't remember. The, with the tusk, Mamoswine. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, Mamoswine. Yeah, uh, Mamoswine. Yeah, uh, apparently there's some, so yeah, if you like Pokemon Unite, and apparently like if you register... Uh, the link the accounts to the mobile version, the Switch version, you get like something cool. So, I will never ever fucking play a mobile game, never fucking ever. I see too much toxic shit with people like that. Uh, uh-uh. uh. Um, so I'm kind of curious about it. Like, I don't have it on Switch, but maybe when the mobile version drops, I'll try it on Switch so I can link accounts and then only play on on mobile. We'll see. No, I've seen people get way too mad at how people play mobiles. I'm like, I don't need that. I do not need that at all. Uh, there's a little update to Pokemon Cafe Mix, so it's com- if coming for Fall 2021. It's getting a new Pokemon, so if no you're into cares. that, that that's cool. Don't say nobody. There's there's people who like Pokemon. Maybe not our audience. True. There's good. Uh, then they did some for Pokemon Master EX celebrating its two year anniversary. Uh, basically celebrating looks like Gen Five stuff, which is really cool. Um, and then Pokemon Go is it's oh my god, it's been five years since yeah. uh, Pokemon Go launched in 2016. Um, Damn. And they're doing, uh, the gimmick is that um, Galar Pokemon are going to be showing up. It, it says here from Friday, August 20th to Tuesday, August 31st, so it's already been live for a couple of days. But only Wooloo, Scovit, and, Fal- and Phalanx. Uh, so, and then the two legendary Pokemon, uh, Zacian and Z- Zazamenta, will be appearing in five-star raids. Uh, not weird that they're not just doing the entire decks, but maybe, you know... They never they do that. They... Them. I mean, usually it's more than three. Like, they'll do the starters and, like, a few other random, like, rodents and stuff. Um, and then they'll do another chunk later and another... Yeah. Okay. So and that's pretty still much a little this weird. Is, yeah, and then pretty much we get a huge look into Gen 4. Uh, remix, uh, Shining Diamond and Brilliant Pearl, I think that's what they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, uh, number one, the zoom in Texas that, like, that they did in the trailer. I... Look... And the only reason I'm not excited about the game is the game that we're going to talk about after this. I think these look like good remakes. I think they're mm-hmm. perfectly fine. I know yeah, people are. Do. I think, like, especially when it's more the. When, like, they're in battle animations, I really like that. Um, but I like the I like the presentation of it overall. Mm-hmm. Um, the art style uh, reminds people... me a lot of Link's Awakening HD. And I really like that kind of. Like, I think the Switch does best with that, like, more cutesy, like, vibrant color art style. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the whole point because that was a Game Boy game, and this is a remake of a DS game, which is kind of the same style. Right. A couple of big updates that are going to make people happy. Uh, number one, Pokemon follow you around again. So similar to the a feature that a lot of people wanted, they brought back in the uh, for Pokemon Sword and Shield DLC. Uh, they're not going to follow you. So if you love Gen Gen uh, Two, uh, Silver Silver and Gold, uh, that's going to be back. So yeah, it's very briefly shown, but they, you can see a Pokemon following him. Um, also, contests are back, and they seem to be much more involved in, say, contests back on the DS era. I never was in that, but it looks like there's, like, a rhythm game kind of aspect of it. They're bringing back the Underground, uh, which I know that was yes. a huge thing for Gen 4. I didn't, I played Platinum about four years ago. I didn't really touch that, but apparently people love this mode. Um, I tried it, like, back on the actual DS. Um, I didn't totally understand it, but I also didn't really do it with other people. And I feel like it's more of a social aspect, which I yeah. appreciate a lot more now than I did back then. Because it was like, yeah. I think I was in college with a you know Pokemon game on the DS. Like no one else had it. 
Right. Yeah, and me and my younger brother uh, bought these games in tandem, and uh, we did all the multiplayer stuff together uh, on these games, and it was a good time. And so one new aspect to that is that there's going to be like these new areas uh, in the underground mine, which wasn't a thing in the previous game, where depending on what Pokemon statue you have in your base, uh, they basically they will basically spawn. You can go to them in the underground, and only... Uh, only certain Pokemon that were never didn't appear in the Sinnoh region before uh, will appear there. So one of the bigger problems that people have with the Sinnoh region is it's like a fire type. So like this is going to be your way to get the, your favorite fire type in there. And then they showed Houndoom. I know Houndoom wasn't nice. in uh, in Gen 4 originally. The only real fire option you had was Ponyta. Maybe I think Gen 4 added Magmar uh, or Platinum. Uh, Magmar. That was for Platinum only. Yeah. Uh, Diamond and Pearl, you pretty much only had a Ponyta and some other fire and the, type. Well, the that. starter. And the, and well, the you starter. could trade in um, because Magmordar was a new Pokemon, but it was... You could, but you can only get that late game in Diamond and Pearl. Right, yeah. So if, if you wanted a fire if you wanted a Firemon, you were pretty much shit out of luck. Um, yeah. So they, they, they shut off some And the starter stuff. is kind of dumb. So yeah, I like Chimchar. Yeah. Um, uh, they brought back stickers, uh, for the Pokeballs, which I, uh, I don't know why they ever removed that, uh, but basically you can decorate your Pokeball, so when your Pokemon pops out, little visual effects play. A little small thing, uh, but they look cool. Um, they obviously go into the Team Galactic stuff, and we meet Cynthia, uh, so that, like, can get, get a taste best, of her. best, uh, champion in the series. Yeah. Best theme song, at least, for sure. Yes. Um, I mean, Lance is pretty cool, too, but... No, no, Cynthia's better. She just... Um, yeah, and then they kind of go more into it, more into more in depth about Barry. Um, I really like the concept of the, of these new like underground areas that'll actually make me play the underground uh, mm-hmm. area just for just for that. Um, There's an and, element uh, there for people that don't care about the social aspect but still want to enjoy the underground, right? And good. the big Except thing that they're bringing back that wasn't available in Gen Four initially, uh, but was available in. Uh, 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 sort of Jill, and I'm bringing this up because Game Freak is notorious for uh, dropping features, is they're bringing back customization, and mm-hmm. that's cool. And not only that, they didn't show it in the trailer, but if you go to the website, you can change the skin tone of your main character. So if you want to be black, uh, if you're black, you can have more darker skin, or Latino, or whatever. Uh, I think that's that's really neat. Like, you couldn't, you don't that's have to cool. have, as much as Maze and, like, Alpha, I like the Gen 4 default outfits, but I like the idea of making the character my own even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, and that's it's impressive neat. because there's basically two sprites. There's like your little chibi, you know, overworld sprite, and then your battle sprite, and right. like your your whatever you're wearing transfers between those. So like they had to do a lot of work to get all of those different you know costume combinations into both of those sets of sprites, right? Or models, whatever. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and of course, coming into like that's all that's getting everybody excited. Um, they kind of show off some of the enemies and stuff like that. But the big thing is that uh, there's going to be a special edition of, of a Switch Lite coming out around the game's release, uh, which basically figures Dialga and Palkia. Um, so that, that's pretty cool. I think it's the standard gray, but the, they're etched in on the back, and they look, they look pretty cool. Um, not the fanciest yeah. special edition you can get, but, you know, it's all right. Um, so I wish they'd do that, special edition Joy-Con sets, because, like, to have to buy a new system just because this is special, it's kind of annoying. Yeah, I mean, like, people well, do that. Well, you don't for... have to buy the whole system. You could just get a separate thing of Joy-Cons and just play them detached. No, well, these no, are lights. Well, no, saying have, having to the Switch Lite, like, the fact that if you want this cool-looking thing, you have to buy a whole new console. 
yeah. to play. Oh, okay. Like, that's what I liked about the Skyward Sword set so much, was, like, they're really nice looking, but also it's just Joy-Con. Yeah. Okay. So, this is the last thing that I, that has me hyped, uh, and we saw it last time, but now we get some more information. This is Pokemon Legends of Arceus, I believe. I, I don't care how you pronounce it. That's yeah, Legends pronounce- of Arceus. That's how I pronounce it. Um, and Pokemon God. Yeah, this is the... They, nice big overview trailer of it. Uh, it is basically Breath of the Wild, um, Pokemon. Uh, you have Pokemon everywhere, uh, like different seasons, different regions, um, and it's pretty much like a big like it's it's called a different region um, than uh, Sinnoh. So I guess it's like its native region until it gets renamed the it's, Sinnoh region. Yeah, it, they say that this becomes the Sinnoh region later. Yeah, because they, they said Mount Cornet, Cornet, I think, and that's like the yep. big pivotal mountain. Um, and so, like, it's a big overview trailer, so going over some things, uh, number one, we're gonna have, um, what is this region officially called? Hisui. Um, his, the Sui region. We have Hisui form, so they're bringing back that idea they've been doing since, um, Alola, right? Yep. Alola. So, bringing that yeah, back. Yeah, Gen 7 started that. Yeah, and so we have, um, uh, the, I'm, I'm not gonna pronounce it, we have, um, Hisui, Hisui Growlithe. Hisui Growlithe, which is a whole new version. It's adorable. Uh, it has, like, a big fluff of hair. I was kind of um, surprised people were into it. I thought it looked so dumb. We have Hisui uh, Braviary, which looks really, really sick. Has, like, a lot of whiteness uh, feathers and, like, kind of has, like, this weird, like, psychic crown on him. We have Hisui, not Basculin, but in, a, like, a form of Basculin. Basculin, which is basically, how does it evolve? It's evolved from its dead fit schoolmates that have tried to climb up the river during season. So that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're basically, that sounds like wishy washy. Uh, they're basically bringing back the concept of uh, 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 from Gen Seven, where like you would use Pokemon to do specific things versus HMs. Which God, that was the best fucking thing they did. Uh, they even did that yeah, in right. Gen Eight, I think. Right? Um, yep. Uh, and of course, we got a history version of Stantler. Um, which looks really, really no, cool. No, it's an evolution. It's a new evolution. It's called War oh, it's Deer. a new evolution. Oh, okay. It's a new evolution. But I'm okay. sure, like, generally the way these work is you have the the regional form of the actual Pokemon, and then it has a new evolution. So there probably right. is a Hisui Stantler. We just haven't seen it yet. Yeah, kind of right. like what they do with Farfetch'd in Sword and Shield. Yeah. So, uh, and basically, and we kind of get a gameplay over the trailer. Uh, wild Pokemon can attack you when you don't have Pokemon. They show an Ursa Ring coming out, ready to swing at you. Uh, they show a Luxray attacking you, and it looks like there's different combat mechanics. Uh, strong style, uh, agile style, which I, that, that's going to play into how different moves work. Um, you can either catch Pokemon by throwing balls, or you have to fight them. Um, and, uh... Yeah, it, it like I'm I'm super hyped up. They're definitely playing the legendary aspect of it, and I can't wait to see like what like what's gonna incentivize me besides capturing new Pokemon to explore and seeing the different regions. Like I I am super excited um, uh, for this, but I think the big thing is that you're technically working for like a prequel version of Team um, Galactic. Uh, uh, um, it's pretty um, obvious. Yeah, they even, yeah, it is. So like that's that's kind of you're working for what like it's like it's like the storm like the clone troopers you know like oh yeah they're really good guys right now until they turn they turn. I bad bet at some like you're gonna find out that they're the bad guys like while you're working for them and then like you and a select few are gonna leave them and have to fight them after and it's gonna start like the beginning of Pokemon trainer battles. 
Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, that we'll... pretty much... What you just explained was the beginning of Pokemon Coliseum. So, Fair. Yeah, I, I'm... I'm really curious to see how this game plays. They're definitely taking a lot of Breath of the Wild elements from it. From oh, yeah. The, uh, the crafting system, how you craft. You can craft Pokeballs now, which I think that was a thing, but like now it's like you can just do it wherever. I mm-hmm. love the idea of like you actually have to actively avoid Pokemon attacks, and you can literally pass out, and you have to play... like It's, it's the Pokemon game that we probably, as kids, imagine what we were playing, and this is like the physical... Uh, the the realization of it, um, and I don't care if it looks like a game from 2006. It's it, the concept around it is is what is is amazing to me. Yeah, it definitely looks better than it did when they first announced this. Yeah, I mean, still pretty rough, but better, more alive. I, I didn't see any frame rate drops. That's for sure. If there were, I didn't notice them. It stutters a bit. And it also gives a good explanation as to why the trainer whites out in this game. Yeah. What, so, like, in regular um, battles, like, after the Pokemon are done, the, the Pokemon just, like, cold clocks you also? Yeah. No, no, it's just, like, the trainer's like, oh, all my Pokemon are knocked out. I give up. Here's my money. Mm. Whereas in this one, they just get knocked the fuck out by an Ursaring. Yeah. And it's awesome. Like, I mean, it's it's a bold choice setting this in colonial America, but they definitely have the right to bear arms. <laughs> get out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, like... This, I don't want to get the the Diamond and Pearl remakes or whichever one because I want to wait for this. I do. Because, like, watching this after seeing, I don't think the Diamond and Pearl remakes look bad, but this game is the one I want to put my time into and play and explore and rediscover Sinnoh that way versus, like, I like the new quality of life stuff they're adding to, to Diamond and Pearl remakes, but... This this game just looks magical to me, and I want to have fun with it. I want and it, it. Just I just don't like that it's so close to release, like November yeah. and then January. That's so. That's why I don't like. See, that. I feel the exact it's more like opposite. An appetizer main course kind of. Deal. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't know. I'd call this the appetizer because like this game doesn't look bad. I just don't know like what you do in it. You explore and catch Pokemon. What do you do in Pokemon games? You go on the you, gym challenge and stop the the evil team, and and you'll probably stop. And you you got you'll probably have to capture God. You'll probably have to capture Arceus to try to capture. Him. I mean, sure, but this this I'm not a big fan of open world games as it is, and this kind of looks like Breath of the Wild area. Like it's it's just a big open air, big open world with Pokemon all over the place. But everyone said like the worst parts about Sword and Shield were how boring the wild areas are. And this looks what? like just that. You listen to those so. fucking insane people. Like the wild area is the best part of the game. Uh, especially, see, that, I mean, the, that's just the difference of opinion, and that's probably why you're excited armor. for this and I'm not. Yeah, the hollow armor and the um and the frozen tundra stuff. That's what that's what made me love Sword and Shield. Um, and like this is just like a whole game of it. Like I, I people kept I don't understand. People kept asking for this, and here it is. This is what you wanted. Not you specifically, Justin, but just in general. Nobody knows what they want. I just want to know Especially. more about, like, the actual, uh, like, gameplay arc of the game. Because, like, we see how the battle system plays and, like, how you explore. But I just want to know, like, what you're doing outside of, like... Is it just accepting quests to go catch a certain Pokemon and show it to them and then filling the decks? Like, that's not... 
That's not a full game arc. That's a concept. Guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. I'm excited. Just I don't care how bad it looks because I was reading some stuff about how, like, basically Pokemon has always kind of gone the uh, quantity over quality thing. Like, when you have to juggle that many Pokemon and everything in there, like, and the old games, they looked bad because it was just, you know, limited cartridge space and stuff. Like, you had to prioritize including all the Pokemon, so you didn't have as much room for, like, really cool-looking, you know, graphics assets and stuff. Um, now, I feel like it, some of it's a technical limitation, um, still, but it's just, like, their development time is going into the balancing of the battles and everything like that. They're not as concerned with like the actual graphical fidelity or anything. And that's fine. Like, I don't, you know, you know what you're going to get with Pokemon. It has, it has a similar style to what we've seen before. Um, it just, it's the next iteration of that thing, but I'm just tired of everything becoming a generic empty open world with no justification for being that thing. Because I think very few games do it well. I'll be I'll be over here enjoying Pokemon Arceus. Maybe I'll maybe I'll stream it because I really want to share my energy with this game. It just this is what I want to play. This is this exactly. I might do the same. I I just hope it doesn't come out. I hope I, like Breath of the Wild Two doesn't come out like two months like two months later. Like this is the one time I'll be I'll be okay with Breath of the Wild Two getting this delayed. Game be dead in the water if that happened. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Um, no, because Pokemon fans are insane and they'll play it regardless of True. any kind of big release. Um, all right, so I, that's that's the Pokemon update. Not super long, only thirty minutes. Uh, but you know, there's some there's a little bit of everything. But I think the thing that people were most looking forward to got some more stuff on. Uh, people were expecting Gen Nine. Like no, they're never happy. <laughs> no, no. Have we learned that Pokemon fans, Nintendo fans, are never happy with these directs? They're, they just aren't. Yeah, there. or Sonic fans. We did get some new Pokemon, so that was neat. But I mean, they're you know exclusive to the still Gen Eight game, or I guess technically yeah. Gen Four. The lines are blurred now. Yeah, it's weird it's, nowadays. I mean, this is like what I mean. Legend of Arceus is a new concept, so it's like I wouldn't even tie. It to, I wouldn't even tie it to a Gen. Like it's a whole right. new thing. So, like, I think we need to stop, like, seeing Pokemon games as generations. No, that's not going to happen. Um, the Pokemon yeah. community won't allow that shit to happen, because then how are they going to brand shit? It's too Well, because this is a perfect uh, example. Like, you have three starters, them. but they're not new. They're just, for, you know, handpicked from past games. Right. They could do more things like that, where, like, you don't but necessarily have three new Pokemon starters you don't they have like been new doing legendaries. Since... Like you just trickle in new Pokemon as you go. They've been doing it since like since Pokemon started. It's a formula that works, and obviously it works because every time a Pokemon game comes out, it smashes sales. If people weren't tired of it, they would you know, people like you know it would be dead or kids wouldn't be interested anymore. But every new generation of kids loves Pokemon, so it's that format to stay. But if we can get this format along with the Pokemon. The, the like sort of mainline stuff then I'm perfectly fine with that yeah alright um speaking of things that never change <laughs> coming this November an old friend gets a new update ah you're finally awake <laughs> Skyrim Anniversary Edition is launching November 11th you can upgrade the special <sighs> edition to the Anniversary Edition free next gen upgrade coming soon and the caviar yes I fucking said that on top <laughs> Is fishing is added to Skyrim? 
So if you're a fishing fan, you can now fish in Skyrim if you are already doing that via a mod, because I'm pretty sure there's a mod to add sky fishing in Skyrim. Ah, I mean, like, Todd, like, we joke about it, right? That, that fuck, all oh, Skyrim's on everything. Todd's going to keep porting Skyward, or Skyward's porting Skyrim. And he's, it's legit just, it's like, okay, I mean, at least if, you're not going to charge. It's been done more than GTA Five. Yeah. I mean, like, it's this, Resident Evil 5, Resident Evil 4, and mm. now Skyrim are basically games that just keep getting new iterations. Um, so it's like, at least you're not charging existing players for a new thing. You know, it's just an upgrade. It's a free upgrade. So it's like, chances are you own a copy of Skyrim either because you bought it or your friend bought you one or Todd Howard personally just crept into your house and <laughs> put in your PS5 or Xbox Series X. Or whatever system you had, he bought so you. So he's Santa he, now. He bought you the Switch cartridge and took out your copy of of, of uh, Skyward Sword and put Skyrim in there. It's like he won't notice the difference. They both start with Sky. Um, so, he didn't save your game though, because he's a little scoundrel. Yeah, Todd's a scoundrel. Um, I coward. I won't lie. I'm kind of interested. In, I haven't played Skyrim since it came out uh, nine years ago. I'm kind of interested to play it. I'll probably knowing my broke ass, not broke, but just portable ass i'll probably want to play it on my switch even though i have my old pc probably could have run skyrim beautifully like oh, yeah. considering how old it was game but i you can have the macho man mod yeah no <laughs> fuck mods i don't want to deal with mods um I don't do it's with a that. really fun mod i actually i like I've, the I've thomas the tank engine one more i've i've seen those mods but i don't know like part of me wants to play skyrim now that i but like like i have an understanding of how like a game like that's supposed to work versus when i played it for the first time so We'll see. But yeah, Skyrim is back again free. At least it's free for people who already have it. Already have the special edition, I should say. Which, that was actually, I think, a free upgrade from the regular one. Yeah. So you could have just exactly. keep, like, you could just keep upgrading your Skyrim through yes. the years. Yeah. Which yeah, is nice. I mean, it's, do... Nintendo wouldn't do that. No, they'd make you buy the new version every time it comes out. Um, speaking of a new version, uh, they, we could be getting... A Saints Row game at Gamescom. This is a rumor. Uh, a new tease appears. It's to pretty be solid rumor. Well, some sudden call it all rumors are rumors until they're officially announced. Fair. Unlike Metroid Prime Trilogy, which does not exist. Don't do this to me. I'm gonna every time. Uh, a new tease appears to confirm that a Saints Row reboot such new entry revealed uh, next week at Gamescom. The Games Awards and Gamescom open net live. Uh, uh, opening night live. Jeff Keighley shared this tease on Twitter, confirming that the team behind the show is bossing it with our announcements this year. Speaking of, and pretty much, uh, it's a five-second trailer. This is rebooting and very much in the Saints Row style. Uh, if there's any doubt that this was a Saints Row, the tweet also includes a link to the uh, boss it that takes users to SaintsRow.com, which has been updated, include the same rebooting image. Rumors and hints of a new Saints Row, which may or may not be titled Saints Row 5, have been appearing for quite some time now, especially considering Saints Row 4 was released all the way back in 2013. THQ Nordic confirms that a full Saints Row game was in deep development back in 2019, and Koch Media said the official announcement of the game would take place in 2020. Due to COVID, uh, pandemic, or unknown reasons, this has really to happen, but GamesCon 21 sure seems where fans of the franchise will finally learn what's next for the series. So, Yeah! Uh, cool. I, I've never played, uh, these games. They've been on Switch for the longest uh, time. I think I ha- have one on, I think I have one of them. I think it's a superhero one, which that appeals to me the four. most. Um, yeah. Saints Row 4. Yeah. Uh, I remember a lot of people having fun with that one. I know a lot of people ha- were divisive on 3, or maybe I just 
listening to angry YouTubers because then I heard other people liked it. So I don't know. Um, I liked three more, but four was still fine. So yeah, the, yeah, three is the one I played through. Mm-hmm. Happy if this is looks like it is going to be true, so it's not just your speculation. I'm happy for Saints Row players. That's that's. Really I really cool. want to see what a next gen Saints Row game can look like. I want to see what type of crazy bullshit this new Saints Row would bring us. <laughs> yeah, because like four was like, still using the same engine from three. Like I think it came out on PS4, Xbox One, but it didn't feel super next gen. Um, it actually felt pretty dated even when it came out. So I want to like if if this is really a reboot, like if they're starting from scratch and probably just going to call it like Saints Row. Um. I, I really want them to start from scratch and figure out what they want, like, the future of Saints Row to look like, rather than trying to ape too too close to what they've done before. Because, um, like, Saints 1 and 2 were actually fairly serious games. They were, like, they they had some quirks, but they were more of, like, just the GTA clone-type game. Um, 3 is yeah. when it got real wacky, and then 4 just went insane with it. So I'd like to see them do something a little closer to, like, three like not so crazy that you just can't take it seriously at all um, but also you have giant dildos that you can beat the shit out of people with exactly yes make make the the humor and stuff more subtle and like um like for plot reasons rather than just like oh there's aliens and video game physics and bleh that they didn't for i guess we'll have to see yeah. um and coming day one, the Game Pass. Mark my words. <laughs> um, That'd be sweet. All right, but you know it's something that's not coming to day one on Game Pass. <laughs> it's the Halo Infinite campaign. Uh, co-op campaign. Oh, no. Co-op campaign. Technically, you, yeah, that's right. My bad. Halo yeah. Infinite will be released without campaign co-op or for Forge at launch. Uh, 343 Industries what, no has, has announced that it is delaying the campaign co-op and Forge for Halo Infinite until after launch as the developers focus on getting the single-player campaign and multiplayer done in time for holidays release. In an August video update from the official YouTube channel, Halo Infinite head of creative Joseph Staten confirms that neither campaign or Forge will be in Halo Infinite at launch. Uh, 343 confirms that Halo is 100% committed to the release and anticipated shooter this holiday. Uh, campaign co-op has been a fixture of the Halo franchise, being able to play through single player with a friend. Meanwhile, Forge is a unique experience where players can design their own game modes by creating custom maps, rules, and more. Forge is where some of the player, of the most creative player genre modes have come from, some of which gone on to become official Halo online modes. Unfortunately, as we focused the team for shutdown and really focus on the quality experience for launch, we made the real tough decision to delay shipping campaign co-op for launch, and we also made the tough call to delay the shipping Forge past launch as well. Uh, Stan confirmed that the team is taking a seasonal release ske- uh, schedule for the campaign co-op and Forge. Well, Infinite will launch single-player mode in Season 1 of multiplayer. Stanton says the team is aiming to release the campaign in co-op Season 2, in Season 2, and Forge in Season 3. Stanton confirmed that a new season will ship every three months, meaning campaign co-op will not be released until 2022, and most likely if assuming the holiday season begins in November. Um... Sad says the delay is a result of complexities involving with game development, particularly with campaign co-op. The co-op side, we have the opportunity to play the campaign all the time. It's this wonderful, open, non-linear take on the Halo campaign. It's going to offer so much more flexibility to take down banished bases from all different angles to progress through the game in your own way. At the same time, though, that's complicated when you think about safe systems and all the technology that needs to drive this more non-linear experience. And in the co-op experience, that's even more complicated. 
Halo Infinite still doesn't have a firm release date. The community manager, <laughs> Brian Jared says the team is basically almost ready to confirm a date. Xbox, uh, Phil, Xbox boss Phil Spencer earlier confirmed that the studio is readying Halo Infinite for a holiday 2021 launch and is basically about narrowing the window to a specific date. Uh, in the meantime, Halo Infinite will continue to roll out more test, flight, test flights for multiplayer in the lead-up to the launch. So this is kind of a blow um, for some people. I know this will be a make-or-break deal to buy Halo Infinite Day 1. It's a real bad idea. Like, it's either I, like it's either delay the game or delay the uh, de- or delay this mode. And what, yeah, they should delay the game. Uh, I, I see here. Okay, the reason I say that is like you could technically put out the multiplayer like free to play mode holiday, kind of as like an open beta type thing, just for people to get a sense of it, enjoy that, like you know, learn the controls, that kind of thing, and then release the full game with you know co op campaign. And forge, like end of fiscal year, you know, March time, whatever. And I feel like people would still be happy because they would have their multiplayer fix for those that want it, and there would be no other concessions made to the game. The reason they're doing this is because they want the financial boost holiday twenty twenty one. So they're rushing everything out to release an unfinished game that people have to pay for. That will be finished later, don't worry. And then they can continue working on it. But, I mean, granted, it's coming to Game Pass Day 1, so, like, some people aren't going to have to buy it. Um, But still, I'm sure it's, like, a contractual thing with Microsoft and all that. The game's not ready, clearly. Because they wouldn't have to make these concessions and delay certain aspects and stuff if the entire thing was developing smoothly. Um, so by saying we're trying to focus in on this one thing, well, two things, I guess, technically for launch and worry about the rest later means that those current things aren't in a good enough shape to work on the other things as well. This game should be delayed (laughs) and people aren't going to be happy because co-op campaign is huge. Like a lot of people aren't going to want to play the campaign themselves. They're going to want to wait and play with a friend. Like, me and Thomas, for example. And Forge, like they say here, is, like, what a lot of the creative multiplayer community jump into to make crazy stuff like, you know, other user-created content games. Um, And they don't even really care about the multiplayer or anything like that. They just want to, like, you know, recreate Blood Gulch for the 15th time in another game. Yo. (laughs) So, like, they're not doing this for the people because they're cutting or not cutting. They're delaying the features that I feel like a lot of the, you know, avid players care about most. And if they really cared about the people, they could just release the, you know, free multiplayer for the people and then release the rest of the game later. But the fact that they're just trying to get the single player part that you have to pay for you know, bundled with what will be a free multiplayer component means they're doing it for themselves to make the money this holiday. And that doesn't, I mean, I, I get it. You got to make money. The game's been delayed by a year already. Yeah. I, I But it's not a good, it's not a good way, message. If they delay the game, people are going to be mad. If they push the game out without the co-op campaign, people are going to be mad. It's a lose-lose situation for them at this point. Right. 
So I say just fucking release the game and, you know, and, like, again, most people who own an Xbox have Game Pass. You're not going to probably play it initially, or if you're going to play it, you're only going to play the multiplayer mode. And then by the time you come back to it, you're going to have the campaign co-op so you can go with your friend. So it's just, you know, I think I think it's just fine. Just release the game. You know, I think people who, uh, and the people who are going to play Halo non-story are going to get the free multiplayer and they'll spend their money on the Battle Pass shit. So just, just fucking release the game in holiday. Like, I get at, at launch you want to play Halo with your buddy, but wait a couple months, you'll be fine. Fair. Again, you're getting the game pass, so it's not like you're dropping sixty bucks for the game. You know, if you, I, I would say, I would agree with you. If you're dropping sixty, then you know, maybe wait, maybe wait till the game is, is ready. Well, yeah, I would have, and and that sucks, and that's that's so different from the game being delayed. But you know, again, at least you can play the the the, the online component because I, I have a feeling if they delay the, um, I guarantee you they will not do like the online multiplayer stuff until the campaign launches. I don't think they'll do that. Mm-hmm. I think there's too much. There'll be stuff in like tie intricately with it, to the point where like they can't do that. They can't launch one without the other, even though one's yeah. a free. I'm one. mostly just saying like if if it's in this kind of state where they have to make these concessions, what we're gonna get like at launch probably should have been delayed in the first place. That's what I mean. And we'll we'll see. I mean, the uh, it looks like the issue is like they, uh, based on what they said, we don't know is. You know the fact that this isn't like this isn't like a linear kind of experience like the previous Halo games were. This is more open, so a lot more problems are running into things they never run into yeah. before. So it's that. So if you don't add that right now and don't worry about that right now, but just polish what you have. Who knows what they probably already have works fine. Who knows? We haven't seen anything to, to justify that. So yeah, I, I haven't seen think... nearly enough of this game that's coming out this holiday. Right, exactly. Um, this is the like Spider-Man No Way Home of video games. I was, I was about to say that. I was about to say <laughs> that. Um, but great minds think alike. But like, I don't know. Like, I like, I don't know. They're doomed. They're damned to do, damned to do, don't. No matter what they do, to me, just fucking release the game. People are gonna play the multiplayer mode. They're, you're gonna have thousands of people wanting to do deathmatch or whatever the mode is, and. In Halo, they they show capture the flag and all that Slayer. shit. Slayer. So like they're gonna do that, you know, and you're gonna have people, plenty of people who are gonna play the campaign solo. Like not everybody. I like I, you know a lot of people like to play like co-op, but I guarantee you there's a good enough people who just play the campaign for themselves and don't necessarily have to worry about playing with a buddy. And who knows when you do get to play a campaign, um, a co-op campaign with your buddy, it's might be the coolest experience ever and might even worth the wait. So we'll have to see. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, it'll be a more polished version. Uh, I mean, like, I mean, I, arguably it'd be the same game. It's just you're adding your buddy with it. So, I mean, it's, it'll just there would have been patches better. in the meantime. I mean, I don't like. I I don't think the game's gonna be in a broken state when it launches. I I honestly don't believe that. Um, we'll have to see. We'll have to wait and see. I'll I'll definitely download it just just to see how it plays. But I don't think it's gonna be as broken as you think it might be. Hmm. Speaking of things that sound broken, we're going to get fucking Stardew Valley Cross Esports. Um, Concerned Ape uh, has announced its first official Stardew event. Um, of course, everybody knows Stardew Valley has always been considered a calm, relaxing game, inviting players into a more peaceful world of farming, fishing, and vivid romances. Some talented fans, however, have inspired the community to take things to the next level. Stardew Valley Esports, Eric Concerned Ape Baron, 
uh, the game's creator, announced that the first official Stardew Valley Cup on his Twitter. Four teams made up of the game's most dedicated players will compete for $40,000 in prize pool on September 4th. Um, Speedrunners are common in Stardew Valley community. People, I had no idea people sped run, uh, speed ran this game. I had no idea. That's kind of not the point. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, it's, people, it's, it's like people speedrunning Undertale. That's not the point either, but speedrunners are going to speedrun. Um, sure. They see a game they can do, they can do. Um, I'm going to do an any percent on Animal Crossing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's, uh, speedrunners are common in Stardew Valley community and unofficial competitions like 2019 Twitch Rivals. I never even heard about this. 2019 Twitch Rivals mm-hmm. Stardew Valley Challenge have pushed players to see the chill farming sim in a different way. This event would have been considered the first official competitive outing for the game. Instead of playing for speed or completion, in t- teams in Stardew Valley would compete in challenges to earn points and rise up the leaderboard. Co-host Unsurpassable Z came up with a nearly 100 challenges and posted a video to form and competitors what they'll be working high point challenges include fishing rooms in the community center while medium point challenges revolve around giving characters their favorite items at specific times 16 of the scenes top players have formed teams each named after an npc and an in-game item that will throw down for forty thousand dollars price pool albino liger who won the 2019 Twitch <laughs> travels competition will be competing on team pam's yams that's a very creative name uh, the action begins on September 4th at 11, 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. It will be hosted by Concerned Ape at Unspecial Z on the latter's Twitch channel. I'm telling Man, you. Watching competitive farming sim. That's, hey, that's that's dope. I think this is super dope. This is super cool. If if people are going to watch and they come out, why the fuck not? If we got. I mean, sure. I'm, t- I'm telling. I was talking to Thomas about this, and I kind of don't want to say it. But I'm going to say it because Capcom's priority doing it right now. Competitive fucking Monster Hunter can fucking work. If you can do competitive Stardew Valley, you can do competitive esports Monster Hunter. Uh, having two teams of four, I don't know, hunt the monster fastest or something. Or carry the... Something to this degree. I, I think this is super dope. I'm not into speedrunning and Lord knows I don't... I only watch it during like... Awesome games are quick or summer games are quick because like that whole mythology is cool, but the active speedrunning is amazing to me. But competition, where like you're ha- like that's in in taking a game from something into morphing into something else to where like two different types of players can now enjoy this game on different levels. That's so fucking cool. Not many games allow you to do that nowadays. Yeah, right. So yeah. Uh, Capcom, hit me up. I got ideas for Monster Hunter esports, and if you're a Monster <laughs> Hunter player. DM me, and then we'll talk some things out to do my official. I, I really, I, I talked about this before. I want to do a Monster Hunter team tournament of somehow. I'm working on it. I swear to God, I want to do that. That's my goal to do that at some point. I want to see Mega Man X speedrun races. I mean, that's already like, a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. I just like watching those. I want right, someone so- to one v one me in Super Metroid. Not, like, not really. I would lose. I'll practice. Yeah. I I can practice. I've seen and you play Super Metroid. Pulls you up on that offer. Hey, there's a few um, spots that still trip you me can't, up. You I, can't, you can't, dude. You can't wall jump, dude. Not as... I am. I get so used to the wall jumping in the GBA games. Right. I can't. I can't adapt to super chunky, weird wall jumping. That's why if we, if you and I were to race, I would beat you in Super Metroid like hands down, just because I know how to wall jump better. Fair. I'm working on it. Like, my next run, I want to try to do some of the speedrun strats just to see if I can. Oh, okay. Good luck with that. Some of them are dumb hard. I don't even do that shit. I know. I wall jump. Um, I've been trying to do a mock ball for, like, a while now, and I I can't can't get it. 
I can even watch up on one wall. Um, all right, this is our last news bit that. of the day. Uh, don't expect PlayStation games to launch simultaneously on PC. Um, and this is courtesy of Rock Paper Shotgun. I don't see this is from Rock Paper Shotgun. Was anyone really expecting Sony to start releasing their games simultaneously across PC and console? Panic PlayStation Five owners. Perhaps they should eat fret no longer. In an interview with Game Informer, uh, head of PlayStation Studios, Herman Hulse committed to PC releases coming only after a period of exclusivity. On the subject of simultaneous releases, Hulse said, Honestly, can't see us doing uh, that with one of the platform-defined experiences that we're making at PlayStation Studios. Typically, they have been about two years between the PC release on our platform and the PC platform, but you can rely on us to continue to create platform-defining exclusive content for PlayStation. That's part of the reason why we exist. It's really important for us to squeeze the maximum out of the platform to build and showcase for the platform, and really, he likes the word platform, and really let the audience see what these great features are contributing to the overall experience. Sony has repeatedly expressed a commitment to uh, porting both their porting games to PC with Horizon Zero Dawn and Days Gone, making the leap so far, but... Both came to PC several years after the original console release. However, with Uncharted 4 next in line, uh, to in the uh, next in line the, and to make the same journey, Sony appeared to both of their plans in July by port buying porting specialist Nix's software, which we might have missed that because I don't remember us talking about that. Uh, but there's never been any suggestion that releases would arrive day and date. Uh, I'm okay with, and of course he gives an opinion. Now I don't think anybody assumed here that they would do day and date with PC because that would just that go that would go against Sony's moniker altogether. Yeah, I think I think it's just you par- paranoid PS5 hard boys who like my precious console experiences. Um, like, calm down, guys. Like, just be- well, Microsoft does it because they also own the PC platform, right? They own it, Microsoft, to an extent. It, it, yeah, like it's Microsoft. Like, so you're still playing that. on a Microsoft device in most cases. Like, it's not- exactly or my yeah operating system versus like. Nobody is going to assume... Now, granted, I would like if Horizon Forbidden West came out, like, within a month after the... But I don't... <laughs> like, I expect, like, two years uh, yeah. between the PC version, because, like, it's it's very different platforms, and you got to work out the bugs and everything like that. So, yeah, like, it's... I think this is just paranoia coming from PlayStation fans who are, like, worried about their console exclusivity. Plus, I mean, in that case, like, you know, if, if the PC version comes out... Like two years after the PS4, ver- you know, PlayStation version, and then the sequel comes out two years after the PlayStation version. It's still the same time span you're waiting. It's just right. shifted two years. Like that's not a big exactly. deal. Exactly. It really isn't. So, like, you know, I don't know. Like, and in in the meantime, I wouldn't even worry about new releases. Sony, if Sony is committed to porting their their games to the platform. You know, they they have a whole exclusive that they could port to uh, to PC. The infamous Second Son, Bloodborne, um, uh, shit. Uh, I mean, maybe not immediately, but Demon Souls directly could come to PC at some point. Um, you know, uh, so it's 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 not uh, Spider Man like like that's that's like that's you know it's a it's a console exclusive, but the character is not Sony exclusive. So they could you know maybe it is I don't know. Like Spider Man could theoretically come to PC. So it's like you know. I wouldn't worry about new releases. I would I would ask more about when are we going to get older games that have been on your platform for a couple of years, get them released on PC at a discounted rate because they've been out for so long and don't be Nintendo. Um, even though Horizon Zero Dawn, I think, is still 60 bucks, but it goes on sale like every like every other three months for like 50% off, so it's like, just got to wait. Um, so, yeah. All right. I guess nobody has any... Be patient, you fools. Yeah. No, let's I mean, move this is on. kind of a non-story. 
Yeah. I just, you know, just want to address it. Uh, let's move on to the final topic of the night. And originally it was going to be something else, but I'm, it kind of shut up to where like I made it audible. Today, as of the time of this recording, so this live stream, it is the 30th anniversary of the Super Nintendo. Now you're playing with power. Uh, so we kind of just want to talk about the Super Nintendo and all of us pretty much grew up with one or knew one with one. Um, and uh, I'm going to go around the table. Uh, Justin, memories, things you want to talk about with the Super Nintendo. Just shoot. So the Super Nintendo was kind of an interesting one for me because that was the first one that came out like in my lifetime. Because um, I'm technically two years older than the system. And... So, like, growing up, um, I didn't own anything. Like, my family was pretty poor. Um, but I would spend weekends with my dad, and uh, he lived with my aunt, who had a son that was a big gamer. So, like, I would always play stuff over there. Um, I think eventually, like, when I was probably five or six, my mom got me a Game Boy, um, like a, you know, OG Game Boy. Uh, but I didn't get an actual, like, system until quite a few years later. Like, it was almost N64 time. When I got a Super Nintendo and like a, you know, backload of games that were cheap at the time. Um, anyway, so I played a lot of things just weekends at my aunt's house. Um, but I was limited to what she had because I couldn't buy my own games for a system I didn't own. Um, so luckily, there was a lot of the classics like um, like Link to the Past, uh, Mega Man X, the first one, um, Super Metroid, Donkey Kong Country 2 and 3, I think. I don't think they had. I don't think she had one. Um, uh, Tetris Attack, which was a classic. Ooh. That's one that like just does not get ported, like ever. You'll get paneled upon, like in Japan, but we never get Tetris Attack ported, and I don't know why. Well, we had that uh, Pokemon Puzzle Challenge for Game Boy Color, which is pretty much the same. Well, thing. there was a Tetris Attack for Game Boy Color too. But I'm meaning like oh, okay. like modern porting, like you know the um, SNES Online and stuff like that. Um, gotcha. Because there was also there was Pokemon Puzzle League for N64. Uh, the Game Boy Color port was kind of a lower grade version of that. But yeah, that game's great too. I'm just this is SNES, um, and I kind of like the like Yoshi aesthetic more than the Pokemon aesthetic because the the story mode in Tetris Attack was. Strange, but surprisingly engaging. Um, and yeah, there were a few duds. Like she had the uh, the hook game. Oh no! Um, Ooh. Like based on the movie, and it was really bad. Like all I remember was like Robin the Williams first holding a paintbrush by the bristles. The the first level, like you're playing as Peter Pan, and you have to like fly through the the spike area, but like you have limited fly ability. And it didn't seem like you have enough to actually, like, make it through the section that you have to fly through. And it's the first level. Like, it should not be that hard. Um, and then a few of a few of my classics that, like, probably a lot of people didn't play back then were uh, a pair of Marvel games. So there was, um, I think it was Marvel Super Heroes, War for the Gems, like, you know, Infinity Gems. Um, and then there was X-Men... Apocalypse. No. Uh, I think I have the ROM of it because I put it on the arcade cabinet. Um, it wasn't Children of the Atom, was it? No, that no was that's, not a, that's a that's PlayStation PS1. game. PS1 okay. says arcade game. 
it, it's it's an X-Men game. Give me one second. Um, it's, mutant, it's not Mutant Genesis, is it? Deadly Apocalypse? It has to be Deadly Apocalypse. Mutant That's Apocalypse. Next, mutant Apocalypse. I knew it was Apocalypse somewhere in the title. Yeah, Mutant Apocalypse. That's the name. That's like, um, and both of those are really solid. I think I think X-Men's better. Uh, because the, like, let's see. Marvel Superheroes has you choose a character... Sorry, has you choose a level and then a character to take into that level. I think yes. I might be switching this, but um No you're so, right. Like, you're the right. Le- okay, the levels were kind of eh because it really felt like you needed a certain hero for each one, but like you could take in whoever. And then X Men had a specific level for each hero. And I thought that was a more successful way to do it because you could actually have like some platforming challenges and stuff for those characters. Like, Beast was kind of in a sewer, and he could, like, uh, climb on on pipes across gaps, and uh, Wolverine could, like, you know, clinch into walls and, and climb up the side of uh, side of walls and stuff. It was great. Um, and then, of course, you know, Super Mario World. Uh, but when I finally got my own Super Nintendo... Um, the main thing I played on it was Mario 64. Or, sorry, Mario RPG. Wow, how'd you do that? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> right? That's some wizardry right there. Um, Mario RPG was, like, one of the only games I actually owned on my Super Nintendo. My aunt would let me, like, borrow some games from her sometimes. Um, but I played the crap out of that thing. Because, uh, I mean, it wasn't a super long game. But, like, as a kid, it was, like, really my first RPG. And it was so cool. Um, but a lot of my Super Nintendo time was actually emulating, um, like after the fact, cause let's see, I got my first like home computer with internet in like 99, 2000, somewhere in there about the time the Game Boy Advance came out. And pretty much as soon as I had access to the internet, I found out that you could download emulators. I mean, first, you know, porn, obviously I was a kid, but <laughs> then I found out that you could, um, like basically emulate games. Um, and the fact that like my old computer could perfectly emulate like Game Boy Advance games, like right after that handheld came out, like I was playing all the GBA games. Um, like, I would play the GBA versions of console games because I couldn't emulate the console version and I couldn't afford the games, but I could play the GBA version. Like, Tony Hawk and stuff like that. But before the GBA came out, I was looking into, like, a bunch of Super Nintendo games that I'd never heard of or, you know, never got to play as a kid or whatever. So, like, I discovered Final Fantasy, for example. Um, I think the first one I played was Five, Like, the fan translation of Five That was pretty rough back then. Um, and then I kind of dabbled around after that and I played the other Mega Man X games. I had rented, uh, two, I think actually two and three at various points. Um, but I didn't get super into them during the rental period. So I emulated them and still didn't really like them back then. (laughs) I just, I don't know. I, I think I was too caught up in the original. I didn't like the, the new robot masters and stuff. Um, Understandable. And then, like, Secret of Mana. Uh, I had a, There was another one I was just thinking of. Um, Bomberman was another classic back then. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, what was it? 
I can't I can't remember right now. But oh, Kirby's Dream Land Three was also a really solid one that I never owned and only played emulation. Um, and I love that game too. But yeah, like I have so much exp- like I I love the Super Nintendo so much, um, and like I was basically raised on it. But like growing up, I didn't have a lot of experience with it. It was just a lot of the same few games. Granted, I, that was back when, like, I would play Super Metroid, just, like, basically, you know, one weekend I would start the game, play through it, and the next weekend I would go back over, restart, play through it again. Like, I was actually really good at it back then. I wasn't, like, speedrunning or anything, because I was still a kid. I didn't, like, you know, I, di- I didn't know any better. But I could beat the game pretty quickly. I just wasn't, like, sequence-breaking or anything like that. I was just playing the game normally, but I knew where everything was. Um... So that's probably my, like, my fondest memory is, like, my time with Super Metroid as a kid. Because I still love the game, but it's kind of, like, having newer entries in the series, it's a little harder to go back to. And I think that's true of a lot of Super Nintendo things, is, like, that's where a lot of our favorite things came from. But then future entries kind of, like, fixed some of the stuff, or you know, just had more modern, like, better examples of those series. Like, Link to the Past, for example. Loved it as a kid. Not my favorite anymore. Um, but, man, that was a good system. For what it was. Couldn't do 3D, even though it tried. But it was, it was a good it was system. 90, it was 1991. Like, it, the fact that Mode, Mode 7 was the craziest shit... Ever at the time doing no, I'm just saying like, like the, the DSF shit for specific. It's games. the fact that it tried to like it shouldn't right. have tried to. Why not push? Put gotta push somewhere. Why not? Like gotta try something better. But the wireframes in Star Fox. Yeah, like that's a mirror. Like that shouldn't have worked, but it, it did, and it set the groundwork for what we had later. You gotta start somewhere. And it, yeah, it, I mean, you could you could do a concept for something that gets canceled and then comes back in a better form. Like Star Fox Dinosaur Planet that wasn't really possible in N sixty four, so they bumped it to again. I guarantee you there's a fan who's only they're only a fan of Star Fox because they played it on Super Nintendo first and then like, oh, here's a better version here. Awesome, cool. So I think I think it's better to innovate when you can versus like, eh, hey, whatever. Don't do it because you can't because you you probably can't do it. Um, sure. Oh Kong. also of course all the Mortal Kombat games were great too, but I don't like no blood. Right. I don't associate Mortal Kombat ass. with the Super first Nintendo one, as much. First one, yeah, that's a Genesis thing. First one's ass, but Mortal yeah. Kombat two on Super Nintendo is godlike. It's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Tyler, uh, oh, you ahead. done? Yeah. No, I was just because I, I only owned the first one, and I think UMK three. I had trilogy on the N sixty four. I get those two confused sometimes, trilogy but I know I played it because I would go down to a friend's house. And we'd play Mortal Kombat and uh, Clay Fighter over there. But anyway. Tyler. Uh, so I probably explained it before, but uh, my family grew up on the Sega Genesis uh, when I was a wee little Tyler Jr. <laughs> so we didn't really have a Super Nintendo because it was the cheaper alternative. Uh, so, uh, But we did have a neighbor that had one. And uh, I would regularly go over to his house after school to play some uh, Super Ninty games. Like, uh, we nearly beat Turtles in Time together. Nice. Uh, we played through a bit of uh, Super Mario World together. 
Uh, we played a few rounds of uh, Balls 3D, I'll, or at least try to because that game blows. What? Uh, yeah, there was a 3D fighting game called Balls 3D, yep. and I I told the story already in my uh, Tire Shoes video for Tekken. But uh, yeah, uh, and that's also how I discovered Mega Man X, the first one. We blew ass at it because, you know, we are little children. What could you do? And, uh, yeah, they eventually moved out after a few years, and by then we had already moved on to the PlayStation and eventually the PlayStation 2 and uh, other consoles as well. And I wouldn't be able to play any Super Nintendo stuff until uh, the Wii came out when uh, they had a specific uh, SNES titles on the Virtual Console when that was still a thing. So that's how I was able to experience uh, games like Chrono Trigger or uh, Kirby Superstar uh, for the first time uh, via that service, and eventually Earthbound when that came on the Wii U. And uh, yeah, so my experience with the Super Nintendo is a bit more limited than Justin's was, but I still remember it being a really great console, uh, and it was pretty good competition for the contemporary that I owned, which was the Genesis, that it had Sonic, they had Mario, and that was the big defining difference for me, uh, aside from the controllers, of course, uh, which I think the Super Nintendo controller is better if you're not using the three-button pad on a Genesis, well, a six bu- which six controller we most certainly great. had. Yeah, the six-button controller is good. Didn't have it as kids, oh. because we, we figured the three buttons uh, were the only ones that existed. <laughs> As far as we were aware, anyway. But, uh, yeah. Uh, that's pretty much my history with the Super Nintendo. I still love it. I still go back to some of their games every now and again. Mostly Mega Man X. But, uh, yeah. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Balls 3D is breaking my mind. It's this game dumb, is, right? looks so yeah. dumb. It's dumb. It's super dumb. Um, it can't. It's... I might have to do a video on that soon. It did remind was... me, though. Did y'all play Goof Troop? Never, never. We did not did have not that because that was a really solid um, co-op like Wasn't adventure into game. Disney on as a SNES. kid, so or like Disney cartoons, like created that. by Shinji Mikami. Is it? Yeah, he he, he did. yeah. It was directed by the Resident Evil correct? Yeah. director. Oh. Was like his first, like one of his first like big things. Hmm. So me, uh, so I think I told the story. My father uh, worked; it was a manager at a local game store. So we, I was blessed to have both a Sega Genesis and a Super Nintendo as a kid. Uh, obviously, I sided with the Sega console, and I still maintain that the Sega Dreamcast is my favorite console of all time. But if I had to pick a one A, it's the Super Nintendo. You guys have heard me drone on about my love of the system and its games, um, and I could play them forever, even if they're new versions of them. I love going back and playing uh, Super Nintendo Super Nintendo games. Uh, they're they're amazing. Um, a Link to the Past still hits me a certain way. Super Mario World, I still believe, is one of the better Mario. It's so the best 2D Mario game of all time. Nothing it, it, it outclasses everything since then. Even the new series with its more new, different mechanics. Um, Mario you know, Land I, Two is really good. Which what was that game? Mario Land Two on the Game Boy. Yoshi's Island. No, on the Game Boy. Oh, never mind. Um, I'm I said what I said, and I'm not gonna. I didn't stutter. Did I fucking stutter? Uh. Either either way, um, uh, it it was just such like like I and I like it, it was the game like you know, we had Sega Genesis. It's what I mostly played as a kid, and um, 
you know, most of those games that we had on there were beat 'em ups, fighting games, very simple stuff. It was Super Nintendo that had the more adventure games and exploratory games. Like I remember my watching my dad play Super Metroid, and I was like terrified, like what the fuck is going on? But like I was like that Jay Z gif, like you know, <laughs> just bobbing like to it. It was just intricate and it etched into my mind. Um, I love my Super Nintendo, and I, I like I knew I felt uh, the Super Nintendo was my favorite com- my favorite game because it had fighting games on it. Uh, like it, you, people don't understand, like Street Fighter Two on the Super Nintendo was a fucking miracle. It shouldn't have looked that good. It shouldn't have like it was amazing that it, it like it, it's as good as it was considering the hardware limitations of the Super Nintendo. Um, while Mortal Kombat is ass on the uh, Super Nintendo, Mortal Kombat Two. Uh, they they fixed all the problems that they have the second one the second game, Killer Fucking Instinct um, was such a miracle yeah. work like that's that like I I you want to ask me what fighting game I played most on the Super Nintendo it was Killer Instinct and I, I'll never get it Black Cartridge it was so unique oh, I I loved it so much I so that cool. was like the game I played like. Uh, during the summer when I wasn't playing like Link to the Past or stuff like that, it was that, and it was just doing arcade mode, trying to do understand how to do uh, Jago's fireballs or his uppercuts. Like I had no idea what it was. Uh, I don't even know if you could pull up a command list in that version. Um, I mean, you've seen me stream Super Nintendo nights and like all the games I've had on there. Uh, granted, I haven't touched like a tenth of the library, uh, but I, it doesn't matter. I think the first party uh, library is strong enough, and of course, while I didn't play it initially i'm like i'm glad the super nintendo exists because otherwise i wouldn't have possibly one of my favorite games of all time which is chrono trigger like that and that game takes everything that's great about the super nintendo it's music it's it's sprite work it's sound quality everything about it and of course you know the magic the the the, the genius is behind the game it's all one big beautiful experience um i love it i could go on and on about it um and granted, like, after we got the PlayStation, I don't know if we sold the Super Nintendo or something. Because I know when we moved, uh, like, to my second house that we ever lived in, we didn't have the Super Nintendo anymore. Or if we, I think we, we might have, but we just didn't play it as much as, say, the PlayStation or the N64. But I know occasionally I would hook up the Super Nintendo. I would, I would, I, that was, like, the first time I, like, tried to do something technical. Like, my, I used <laughs> to have to ask my dad to come help me hook it up. And, like, one day, I think in the summer, I was like, you know, I'm going to do it myself and hooked it up, put the cables in here, and, like, oh, that was super easy. Um, so that, that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, like, I I love it. Like, I, I, to me, those a lot of those games, like, I could play Mega Man X forever. Like, that is the perfect game. I could play Chrono Trigger forever. I could play um, Super Mario World forever. I could play Link to the Past. Like, yeah, whatever, you can argue that better Zelda games have come out since then. I don't give a fuck. None of them make me feel the way Link to the Past feels and how, like, its dungeons are cool, how open it is, how the music hits, everything just hits. I, I love it. Contra, Super Contra on, on the Super Nintendo. I remember me and my dad, uh, we, like, and I think my younger brother, too, it, it's, I, I might be misremembering things, but, like, we stayed up, like, super late one summer night, and we just went at it playing, trying to beat Contra. We got up to, like, almost the end of the stage where you have to fight the two Terminators. It was insane. Like, ah, oh, it's, ah. Oh. I understand, like, like you know, like, you could, some people say, like, oh, like, better, there are better versions of future games. Like, to me, this is, like, perfection. Like, you took what, what, what like, the, the bones of the NES-style games and just perfected them. And, you know, like, in terms of 2D games, in terms of, like, action games, like, it doesn't get better than the Super Nintendo, in my opinion. It's just, oh, it's so, it's so good. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, it's like the renaissance of video games right there. You know, ex- exactly. Or at least the beginning. Yeah, of exactly. It. And then you have like the Genesis like right there. Um, but I, I think I would take the Super Nintendo's library over the Genesis library, in my opinion. Um, all right, I want to. For uh, me, sorry. For me, it was definitely the height of two-player gaming. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because you couldn't really do say that. too much in the NES. Uh, that's for sure. Right, but also just like the two-player games they were putting out were incredible. Right. Ex- exactly. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna go around the table real quick since it's running long. Off the top of your head, favorite Super Nintendo game. Go. No thoughts. Go. What is it? Oh no. Justin. Go. Super what is Metroid. It? Uh, Tyler. Favorite favorite game. Go. Mega Man X. Chrono Trigger. There you go. Even though I didn't play it on the original hardware initially, I still say Chrono Trigger is my favorite Super Nintendo game. All right. It's a really good. What one. are your favorite Super Nintendo games? What are your some of your favorite memories of the Super Nintendo? Did you have one? Did you experience it like a lot of people did again for the first time for the first time with the Wii era? Um, or like, or rediscover it with the Wii era. Thank goodness for that Wii, that Wii sh- uh, eShop. That was that was a godsend, Nintendo. That Wii little Wii shop. Exactly. So we're gonna close it out tonight, Justin. While you're petting your beautiful cat, please <laughs> tell the beautiful people where to find you. I can't find my mic. <laughs> we're okay. There we go. Uh, you can find me if you look for Zero Score on various parts of the internet, like Twitter or YouTube or Twitch. Uh, as I mentioned, um, by the time this goes on your favorite podcast carrier, uh, theoretically, my Metroid Other M video will be out. So uh, come, you know, watch me <sighs> critique that game for an hour. <laughs> Tyler. You can follow me on Twitter at Hey It's That Ty. Check the pinned tweet to take you to my YouTube channel, Home of Tire Shoes Reviews, where I... That is Tyler. Reviews old ass fighting games for your entertainment. And look forward to the eventual Balls 3D video <laughs> coming soon. Probably not this soon, but soon. And you can find me at twitter.com slash marvelous. Thank you for all things related to the self proclaimed marvelous one. I stream four times a week at twitch.tv slash iggy2014. That's Sundays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays. Thursdays and probably going to be Saturdays are going to be my fourth day now since Justin and I are now, uh, I'll be taking off Justin's schedule, but I still want to keep that fourth day. So Saturdays, I'll probably be tag teaming up with Thomas if we're not watching a wrestling event. Uh, so look forward to that. We don't know what we're going to play. We're nice. probably going to probably play some Monster Hunter, uh, maybe some other PC co-op stuff. Um, so, so look, for, look, just look for that. Just, just look for it. Look. But RE6 finale on Thursday. Yes. Regardless of how far we get, <laughs> yeah, because I'm I'm sick of it and um, uh, that game. yeah, I'm not even playing it. Yeah, uh, I think I'll enjoy it much more by myself versus having to like deal with a partner. Um, yeah, it's, I think I think yeah, uh, Capcom for that criticism like, hey, I want to play this game by myself. They took it literally too too seriously. Uh, and of course, go to chartshot.com for all chartshot content, including the podcast, podcast, the podcast you are listening <laughs> to right now. Uh, which is our, we talk about fish. Um, which you can also listen to the Atomic Shot, Atomic Chart, I guess, and Cinema Shot that Tyler and I do. Uh, you can list all those at chartshot.com and of course on all your favorite podcast platforms of your choice. Uh, and of course, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast choice, we stream this show live every Monday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time at twitch.tv slash zero score. So be sure to come and check that out if you want to check us out live as well. As well. But that's going to do it for this week, guys. We will see you all next week for another Charged Up episode. So until then...
Stay charged. Have a good night, everybody. Bang, bang. <laughs>